It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch because we know when we add up all those inches, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire with, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990, or you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. How do you do that? You go to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network wild card weekend has come and it's gone. And we have a lot to talk about today. At 6.30, we'll be talking to Wyoming tight end and defensive line recruit J.J. Uphold. And at 7.15, we'll be talking to uh, Mets Mariah's writer, Matt Musico. Right? Am I right? Musico. Musico. I- I'm almost. I'm almost right on that. But it's music with an O. <laughs> I'm sure all the Mets fans will be very excited to hear what he has to say about the Mets trade for Francisco Lindor and Carrasco. We'll talk about where the Mets are going to be heading as far as free agency is concerned with maybe George Springer, maybe uh, Hand as a relief pitcher. So we will get into that with him when he comes uh, onto the show at 7.15. Before we get into some football conversation, we'll talk a little Jets, we'll talk a little bit of Giants offseason, but we'll get into the wildcard games. Speedy, how was your weekend, buddy? It was interesting. I was here a lot because I had to produce off the mat, which was definitely an interesting experience. Boring. <laughs> well, I don't know wrestling. I, I wouldn't say bo- I don't. I wouldn't say it was boring, but I don't know wrestling, so it's not really. I'm talking about, about you. I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about oh. you. <laughs> yeah, I would hope you're not trying to do that to, to your own network and your own show. <laughs> I'm talking about you. How boring you are. Why don't you give us some excitement? Uh, what did you do this weekend? Did you hang out with a chick? Did you hang out with a no, woman? I did not. You didn't hang out with a woman. Did you hang no. out with a frog? Did you kiss? A Frog and bring it why back would, to life. Maybe it turns into a, frog? a maybe it turns into a beautiful woman and winds up uh, ending up with you. I used I to mean, catch frogs in my yard of my house. Well, you look like a frog, so maybe catching them that would help. What you. What universe do I look like a frog? I don't know. You look a little bit like a frog. I'm, I'm just I'm trying to guess here on what you are and what you look like. What do you look like? An ostrich? What What would you? What kind of animal? If you were to choose an animal right now that you look like, what What would it be? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Could you get to a point already? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. If, uh, I were to pick one, if it was so tough, why are you thinking about it? Because I'm not going to just not answer it. So, <laughs> so what is it? Come on. Let's go. Spit it out, Chucky. Uh, we'll go with a... A cougar. Why not? You're a cougar? You don't look like a cougar. You not, wouldn't not scare... the female type. Well... I know that's where you're going with that. No. Yeah, well, anyways. Uh, this was a really, really good weekend when it came to football. And everybody knows Wild Card Weekend is the best weekend for football. It really is. And I know a lot of people are talking about uh, Doug Peterson getting fired today. We will get into our thoughts of Doug Peterson getting fired. And is he the next head coach for the New York Jets? But the first game of Wildcard Weekend didn't disappoint. 
It was one of the best games of the weekend. The Colts versus the Bills. And the play calling for Frank Wright was terrible. Absolutely horrendous. You could say whatever you want about what Phillip Rivers has done in the playoffs and what he hasn't done in the playoffs. Phillip Rivers showed up on Sunday. He showed up. Frank Reich, I don't know, he had his head stuck up his ass or something. He did not show up into the game. And you saw it in the fourth call, fourth, uh, fourth quarter. The play calling was horrendous. Uh, running the ball when he shouldn't have ran the ball. Throwing the ball when he shouldn't have thrown the ball. And the defense did not play well in certain aspects of the game. But the Bills, you know, they did what they had to. And Josh Allen didn't disappoint. He, he's showing everybody why he's become a superstar quarterback. Why he's one of the top five quarterbacks right now in the NFL. And he really took his team and put his team on his shoulders and won the game for his team because I believe the Colts had a chance to win the game. So I wasn't surprised. The Bills, uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the game, really made the plays, uh, the final plays of the game, which really won them the game. So I agree with you with certain aspects of Reich, but I know people were questioning him going for and a fourth down in the second quarter, which – that far back, I didn't mind at that point, especially at the end of the half. And also going for two when they did, I don't mind that either because they could take the lead if they make it at that point. But the thing is their defense didn't get the stops. The top defense they had all year did not get the key stops when they needed So that was the difference. And then there was the Rams in Seattle. And I talked to the Beef <laughs> before the game, and he told me Seattle is going to knock the blocks off of the Rams. That's what he said. It wasn't even going to be close. <laughs> And I say you're on drugs because Seattle's defense is horrendous. They're one of the worst defensive secondaries we've ever seen in NFL history. And they didn't disappoint. Jamal Adams didn't disappoint. And now you're looking at the Jets and you look at the drafts, the draft stock that they got for Jamal Adams. Uh, the Jets look better and better uh, right in front of our eyes. I, I really believe the Jets won that trade because Jamal Adams, who's expecting 90 to $100 million in, in a probably a year when he becomes a free agent, I don't know if Seattle's going to pay him. I don't know. And that was, a, that was a nasty move for Seattle because now they gave up their next two first-round draft picks. And now they would have probably drafted at 23, and now the Jets have their pick. But um, Russell Wilson was running for dear life the whole game. Uh, 11 for 27. Those aren't Russell Wilson numbers. One for, for 174 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, they tried to run the ball. They ran the ball better than they did throwing the ball. Uh, and D.K. Metcalf... Played well for for a guy that couldn't play well against Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey all season long. He five receptions, ninety six yards, two touchdowns. That was a good game. Uh, Tyler Lockett didn't show up to the game. Freddie Swain didn't show up to the game. Chris Carson really didn't show up to the game in the wide receiving aspects of the game of uh, catching the ball. But uh, he ran the ball pretty well. Sixteen carries for seventy seven yards. Um, and and really, you could say whatever you want. Uh, Wolford got hurt in the game. He went to the hospital. He's all right. He's alive. Jared Goff came in 9 for 19, 155 yards. I knew that this defense was going to show up. I knew that Aaron Donald was going to show up in this game and cause havoc at the line of scrimmage, and he absolutely did that. He did leave the game in the th- late in the third quarter. Hopefully he's all right. He'll be ready for next week, but... Uh, the Rams absolutely ran over the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, not only that, they, he, the defensive line, the interior defensive line showed up when Aaron Donald was out, and they really played their best football at that point. And Russell Wilson continues to be one of the running quarterbacks that's strangely bad against interior rushes. Normally running quarterbacks are ba- bad against outside rushes, those 3-4 type zone blitz packages, but he just continues to have trouble with this Rams defensive line for whatever reason. Mm, Buccaneers and Washington. 
I will say this. If the Buccaneers had problems with the Washington football team, what do you think they're going to have when they play the Saints next week? Okay, uh, The Saints are not the Washington football team offensively and defensively. Washington played very well defensively. Heineke, uh, or Hanky, whatever you want to call he had a fantastic game. A backup quarterback showed up to the game, kept his team in the game, and as good as Tom Brady has looked all season long, he looked okay in this game. He really did. Uh, the players, when it came down to making plays, Antonio Brown made plays, Evans made plays, and that was the difference of the game. It had nothing to do with Tom Brady. It really didn't. It had had to do with their playmakers. Yes, Tom Brady was 22 for 40 for 381 yards, but if you look, 22 for 40, his his passing wasn't on. It really wasn't. He made some deep passes. Evans made some unbelievable grabs, and so did Antonio Brown, and that was the difference of the game, Speedy. Yeah, it seemed like the the Buccaneers had a – one guy go off at each point in the game. Early in the game, it was Godwin. Then it was Antonio Brown. And then all second half, it was Mike Evans. I don't think Mike Evans had a catch until the third quarter in that game. Uh, Ron Rivera, give him credit. He's usually game-planned well for Evans in the past, but couldn't game-plan for him in the third quarter. And you're right, Brady wasn't great, but I, I would I was at least say good. I would go better than okay. He was good. 22 for 40 is not great. Right. And I wouldn't even say that's good. That's that's 50%, all right? And you're talking about an all-time quarterback that – and listen, he's got weapons. Leonard Fournette ran the ball very well yeah. yesterday, too. So you can't say anything – I mean, on Saturday night. So you can't say anything bad about what Leonard Fournette did either. So if Leonard Fournette can give you that much uh, – that many yards and give you that much uh, play – uh, they're gonna win. They're gonna they're gonna be in the game next week against the Saints if he can. Which the Saints love to stuff the the running game. Very good. They at did it. it. They did it very well against the Buccaneers early in the season. Both games. Uh, it's gonna be a long day for Tom Brady. Absolutely going to be a long day for Tom Brady. Uh, Sunday's games and and these were the games that really stuck out to me. Okay, Tennessee and the Ravens. Everybody knew that this was going to be a fun game to watch. I picked the Ravens to win. Lamar Jackson. I, I hear Cleveland saying. I already said that I picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. So they're healthy. Their defense is healthy, and, and Judon played very very well in the game. Their defense played very well in the game, and, and really in the second half of the game, they completely shut down the Titans. Completely shut down the Titans. Lamar Jackson couldn't stop be stopped in the open field, and that was the difference of the game. Really, it was the running game. And and if they do that next week, they're gonna they're gonna be very hard to beat as well. Oh yeah, this is the ultimate redemption test that the Ravens had to have. We said it all year. What, where were they mentally after losing that kind of game? Lose, had that bad losing streak earlier in the season. That's a big step, and now they get to go play the Buffalo Bills, who, in a lot of ways, they match up very well against. So Buffalo, you better beware. <laughs> Oh, I, I'll tell you this. The Ravens are going to be the most dangerous team in the AFC. They really are. And because of their defense and the way that Cl- Campbell comes back, Calais Campbell, uh, Judon was all over the place in the game. This defense is as good as any defense in the playoffs. We talk about who has the most talented defense in the NFC and the AFC. The two best defenses right now still in the playoffs are the L.A. Rams and the Ravens. Those are the two best defenses in this. And, and the Saints have a good defense, right. too. I'm not going to say that it don't. But these two are the elite defenses right right now in the playoffs, and you saw it in both those games. They completely shut down Ryan Tannehill, and really, they scored most of their points in the first quarter. After that, they couldn't do anything. So the Bears and the Saints, I was very surprised the Saints couldn't score as much uh, in this game. Now, the Bears are a very good defensive team. They played very, very well. They didn't have Roken Smith in this game, and and I, I really thought that the Bears played a sensational game. Really, they stayed in the game. And um, the Saints didn't have one of their best games, but they did enough in the game to win. 
And, and, and by the way, uh, Jimmy Graham with that one-handed catch touchdown, he walks off the field. Uh, that was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable catch. And then he walks up the field like nothing ever happened. Just made a statement on his former team. Oh. Even though it was in garbage time. He had a great game. He had a great season. Nine touchdowns, I think he had. Yeah. Jimmy Graham had one of his best seasons since he left the Saints. So, fantastic game against his former team. Uh, and, the Browns in C- uh, and the Browns and the Steelers, I, I have no idea what happened to the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. This team was one of the best teams in the, in the regular season, really early in the season, they were undefeated all the way to week 13 or week 12. And then they had really two really bad games. They played bad against the Bengals. And they really just haven't looked the same in the beginning of the season. The defense completely looked terrible against the Browns. If you let the Browns score 48 points without their coach, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. And Mike Tomlin, as good as he looked, and he's probably going to be up for coach of the year, he didn't have one of his best coaching games. I, I don't know what happened to Pittsburgh, they played catch-up. They were down by, I think, 28 nothing. Yeah, at the end of the first. <laughs> 28 nothing. There was no way they were coming back. But surprisingly, Pittsburgh uh, came back 48-37. to They lost the game. Pittsburgh has no running game. They have to find a running back. They absolutely have to find a running back in this draft because this is what they built their team around, by, behind wide receivers, offensive line, and good running games. And over the last couple of years, their defense really has not soared uh, to higher heights. Th- yesterday, it showed why they didn't soar to higher heights. They, pl- they, they got beaten, they got ran over, and you saw what happened. Baker Mayfield outplayed Ben Roethlisberger. Is yeah. this the last game we see of Ben Roethlisberger? That's going to be the question. I don't, I don't know if it will be, but it, it, the Steelers have to definitely be alarmed about that because he did not have a good second half. And you think in the first half, he might have been carried by his wide receivers when they were so successful. But I will say this about Tomlin. He probably made two of the biggest coaching blunders I've ever seen him do. Um, why are you not going for it on that fourth and one when they had all the momentum? They had a nice run going at that point. You're only at the 42-yard line, but go for it at that point. That's one. And number two, go for two when you had a chance to go up 11. Uh, down, cut the deficit to 11. That made no sense either. And, I, and definitely the fourth and one. Once they didn't go that, all the momentum shifted back to Cleveland. And, St- and the Steelers now in the offseason, what are they going to do? They need to find defense. Bush is out. For, he, 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 I mean, he... He lost his season by getting hurt. I mean, they lost a lot of big pieces on their defense. They really did early in the season. And you saw it. It hurt them against a Browns team that ran all over them. Ran all over them. And, by the way, Baker Mayfield, and, and you could see how important their wide receivers are and, and how much chemistry he has with his wide receivers. Did you watch what Jarvis Landry did yesterday? Incredible. Unbelievable. Um, but five receptions, 92 yards, one touchdown. He was all over the field. The Pittsburgh Steelers could not stop him. A matter of fact, they even put Mika Fitzpatrick on him later in the game because they thought he could stop yeah. him. They couldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. He, Minka was probably the only guy on the defense that was good. Everyone else was really bad. Horrendous. Yeah, that was a, just a bad all-around team effort by the Steelers. Uh, Cleveland was saying Cleveland will pull off the upset of the year against the Chiefs. I mentioned it last week. I'm not going to rule it out because they actually do have two key matchup advantages. One with the tight ends because the Chiefs are bad at guarding tight ends and their running game. The Chiefs are average to below average at stopping the run. It's possible, and they proved a lot the last couple weeks doing it without their coach and doing it with all these players out. They really rebounded after losing to the Jets. Yes, and I, I will say this. They have a lot of depth. They have a very good running game, and they have a very good defense. And what have I told everybody? You don't need a superstar quarterback to win a Super Bowl or go far into the playoffs. All you need is a competent guy that can pass the ball and have a good defense that can get at the quarterback and a good running game. They have the best running game right now in the playoffs, mm-hmm. hands down. Kareem Hunt, and, and obviously 
obviously what we've seen Nick Chubb do all season long. Uh, this is the best tandem right now in the NFL, and they are a scary, scary team moving forward against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be really, really fun uh, this coming week, the divisional series. Uh, a lot of good matchups. You know, it's, it's so funny. And Speedy, you could shut the music because we don't need to go in with the, with the, you know, with, with the music. I, I will say this. What we saw yesterday wasn't surprising. It really wasn't. But we're looking at a divisional series, you know, divisional series games. Uh, the L.A. Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. What's better than that? Mm. You have the Ravens versus the Bills. Then you have the Browns versus the Chiefs and the Buccaneers versus the Saints. This is going to be such a fun weekend coming right up. It really is. And, and you could say whatever you want about some of these teams. The Rams, what they did was sensational. Aaron Donald needs to play in this game. If they have any chance to knock off the Green Bay Packers, they need Aaron Donald to play in the game. And they need a healthy Jared Goff, at least 75% who could throw the ball and throw the ball a little bit better than he did uh, on on Sunday. Yeah, I think the Rams, like I was saying with the Browns, have a very good chance if... I mean, on Saturday. If the three guys, Goff, Cup, and, and Aaron Donald, are at least somewhat healthy where they can play, even just being as a decoy if you're Cup and Donald, too, to just draw attention. They can definitely beat the Packers. For one thing, Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, that's, that's going to probably be more of a wash than people think for Devontae Adams. Uh, their corners played very well. Their other corners played very well against Tyler Lockett this week. One of them had a pick six, and the others, all they really did a great job on that. You could trust those against some questionable Packers receivers. And their interior rush proved a lot. And Aaron Rodgers, he still is mobile, but he's not the mo- does not have the mobility Russell Wilson does, even though the Packers have a better offensive line. That's a, bi- a big statement they made. And like I said with the Browns, mentally, doing it in those circumstances, winning the way they did, dominating the way they did, that shows a lot. Now, Doug Peterson gets fired today. I was very surprised when I heard this, when this came out. Now, uh, what he did in the final game of the season, I really think lost him his job. Uh, A lot of the players gave up on him, especially pulling out uh, uh, Jalen Hurts Hurts, uh, early in the fourth quarter when they had a chance to win. Uh, You've heard what some of the players said. You heard what uh, Chase uh, Young said at the end of the game, how disrespectful that is to some of the teams and some of the NFL teams in the league. Uh, We've heard what some of the players have said about Doug Peterson and also Carlson Wentz. After the game, Carlson Wentz was very upset, and he he pretty much came out and said he doesn't want to play for Doug Peterson ever again and that he wants to be traded. Now that you you fired Doug Peterson, there's a chance that you have an opportunity to save – Carlson Wentz and bring Carlson Wentz back. Um, the question is, who's going to get that job? Now, Eric Bieniemy seems like the perfect fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. Carlson Wentz over there, uh, the offense, they need wide receiver. They need a, a smart type of coach, an offensive-minded coach that can make something out of nothing. And I think that with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this offseason, they're going to have to look for some weapons, offensive weapons. You can't you can't bet on uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, coming into this season this year. And, and, and some of the wide receivers that they had, they lost a lot of weapons uh, from two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. And uh, Doug Peterson getting fired, I was very surprised. This is, this is a Super Bowl winning coach. He won the Super Bowl two years ago. When was the last time we've seen a coach get fired after winning a Super Bowl two years ago? I don't remember. 
Right. And also, remember, he made the playoffs the next two years, too, under very, very bizarre circumstances with all the injuries you were talking about. All their receivers seem to get hurt. All their secondary seem to get hurt. And all these random guys they just found. That's that is Doug Peterson. That's a lot of Doug Peterson's credit. Guys like Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham, these random no name guys. These are all that's all his credit. So I'm surprised. I would have thought with the tanking thing and with this whole season, obviously, I, I would say they are the biggest disappointment of the year when you're judging, huge disappointment. Yeah, when you're judging what they were supposed to be at the beginning of the season with the talent that they have. Obviously, we knew some of that talent is injury prone, but still, I would have thought that would have just been a hot seat type year. But yeah, this the, the last game of the season, maybe doing it like that, and then obviously Carson Wentz saying what he said about Doug Peterson probably after the, the game. Yeah, 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 after the game, and after he said that he wants to, he didn't say it in, in the words that I'm saying it, but he pretty much said, I want out. I want out. I don't want to play for Doug Peterson. You've heard what the players said. They, the players gave up on Doug Peterson after he pulled out Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was upset when he got pulled out of the game. You bring in this guy. I, I don't even know who he Nick is. Sudfeld. <laughs> Sudfeld. I mean, his father and his grandfather played in the league. Who cares? And th- the Giants probably would have gave a better match against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They really, I think they Possibly. matched I yeah. think they matched up better against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than the Washington football team. So, uh you, you saw a lot of what uh the players said, even some NBA players really coming out and saying what they said about Doug Peterson giving up on that game. So, I wasn't surprised that Doug Peterson got fired. I was just surprised the way they did it. They should have fired him on Black Monday. Why did they wait? All this time to decide what they were going to do with him. Now they're behind the eight ball on who they want to bring in as a head coach. I think they probably did it after the Wentz comments. I think most of all just because they're kind of stuck in a big contract right now where it's going to be hard for them to move him for any type of value because the dead cap hit is too much this year. I think it's $54 million if they release him. And then it's $29 million, I think, the next year if they release him. So I, they knew they had to at least keep him on the roster. And if he's not going to be tolerable with Doug Peterson, that's going to be a big problem. So at that point, I think that was the biggest deal because you're right. Peterson's a... I would say he's still a good coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. He just had a really bad season this year, and obviously the tanking thing looks bad. <laughs> well, he's going to be—he's going to have a lot of opportunities to get another job. He really does. I mean, how who who is available right now that has won a Super Bowl in the last five years? And the answer is no one. There really is nobody that is going to be available that has Super Bowl credit and Super Bowl championship credit behind them. The only person that does is Doug Peterson. So. The question is, uh, I know the Jets are probably going to interview him because everybody knows that Joe Douglas and him have a relationship. I don't know if Doug Peterson is going to be the one that he is going to pick, but don't be surprised if he is because if you look at what Joe Douglas likes to do, he likes to keep it within. He likes to bring in guys that he knows and that he has relationships with. And Doug Peterson is one of those guys that he has a relationship with. I don't know if he's the sexy pick that Jet fans want, But again, this is an offensive-minded coach. This is a guy that's won in the last couple of years. This is a guy that's won with a team that nobody thought was going to win and with a backup quarterback. So uh, maybe Doug Peterson can save or fix Sam Darnold. I don't think so. I think that if you bring in Doug Peterson, I think they're going to move past Sam Darnold and bring in his quarterback or bring in another quarterback that will fit the type of offense that he likes to play, a.k.a. Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. a guy that likes to run the ball and move the ball uh, behind the line of scrimmage with his legs and, and is an accurate thrower. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is anything close to Justin Fields, the talent of no, Justin Fields. Not close. Uh, but, uh, again, you're looking at Doug Peterson. He is a guy that the Jets would absolutely – look at as the next head coach for the team. So, uh, again, 
As a Jet fan, you're going to sit back and say, why do I want Doug Peterson? Well, there's a lot of reasons why you would want Doug Peterson. One, he's a Super Bowl champion. Two, he's from Andy Reid's treat. Three, he understands how to coach quarterbacks. He's not a quarterback whisperer. He's not a quarterback guru. And everybody's going to say, well, what about Carlson Wentz? Why did Carlson Wentz look so bad the last couple of years? Maybe because he came from an MCL and ACL surgery, and he really wasn't the same quarterback. So Doug Peterson, who likes to move his quarterback inside and out of the pocket and throw on the run, Carson Wentz couldn't do that the last couple of years. Maybe because he's uh, – not that he couldn't do it. Maybe he was afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like it comes to a point where their turnovers are just so uncoachable at that point. Look at Jameis Winston. He couldn't, Bruce Arians couldn't fix him. Carson Wentz has that same problem. He's just turning the ball over a lot. <laughs> and Clarence says, I, do you, you really thought that the Giants were a better fit against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Absolutely. Look what the Giants did against the Buccaneers this year. They should have won that game if it wasn't for the bad bad calls the referees made in the fourth quarter. The Giants would have caused a lot of havoc behind the line of scrimmage for Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had problems over the years against 4-3 defenses because they get at him and put pressure on him. So, yes, I think the Giants were a better fit to play Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. Yes. But this is going to be a very interesting off season for the New York Jets. And now that you have Doug Peterson, you have Eric Bieniemy. These are all from the Andy Reid tree. Now, how about this? Bringing in Eric Bieniemy and bringing in Doug Peterson as your offensive offensive coordinator. That wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, that would be good if he doesn't get another job somewhere else. I think he will get another job somewhere else. Yeah, with Andy Reid. No, I mean Eric Bieniemy. I, I think another head coaching job. I'm saying. I who think do you think? Who do you think would be interested in a guy like Doug Peterson? Um, I I think a team that's really the Lions. Yeah, I like Lions or Texans. A team that's really cash strapped and really needs to make random players work. I could see a team like that that really has that kind of direction going for them right now because they're going to have a lot of trouble getting out of the cap salary cap hell that they're in. So I could see a team like that as a, a potential option for that. Plus, like you said, he is pretty good with quarterbacks. It is so interesting because now you're looking, the Jets are going to get the pick of the litter. They are because the Jets are the best job available right now this offseason. Say whatever you want. If Eric Bieniemy, if, if the Jets offer Eric Bieniemy the job, he will take it. He will take it. Because if you look at all the jobs that are available now, Philadelphia, the Lions, Jacksonville, who else? It's Atlanta, Atlanta San Diego, San Diego or LA. Atlanta, LA, yeah. Atlanta's probably going to trade Julio Jones. They're rebuilding now. Uh, San, who do you have? San LA Diego? Chargers, yeah. San Diego has Justin Herbert, but that defense has not looked good in the second half of the season the last couple of years. They, they, they're going to have to pay certain players. They're going to have to lose certain players in the offseason. I, I, I think the best possible move and the best possible uh, coaching job that's available is the New York Jets because of the, the draft stock that they have and the money. I'm not saying this as a Jet fan. I'm speaking the truth. The Jets have the draft stock and the Jets have the money to get the you know get the job done and put the right players around the head coach that they bring in. So Most especially the number 2 pick <laughs> and the number 2 pick where they can trade out of the pick or they can draft whoever they want after Trevor Lawrence. So it's going to be interesting and we have the national title game. We will get into that with Mark uh, when he comes on at 7:40. When we come back, we will be talking to Wyoming tight end and defensive line recruit JJ Uphold here on Down to the Wire. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to, to Down, Down to, to the, the Wire. Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. Well, I, I will say this. You can go back and we can argue who the next head coach for the New York Jets is. I could care less who it is. If they don't have the right guy behind the line of scrimmage, it won't matter who the head coach is. So the Jets are going to have to figure it out. And why not watch tonight's national title game and actually get to see possibly the next quarterback for the New York football Jets, Justin Fields. But we're not talking about the Jets. We're talking about... Somebody very, very special, our special guest. We are now talking to Wyoming tight end and defensive line recruit, J.J. Uphall. What's going on, J.J.? I'm doing good. How about you? And it's just defensive line. Um, I'm not playing tight end. All right. So, uh, yeah. All right. We'll (laughs) take the tight end out of there. Uh, Defensive line recruit, J.J. Uphall. So, J.J., how are you and your family doing right now with everything that's gone on with the pandemic? Uh, Are you guys healthy? Have any of you guys gotten it? Um, no, I mean, I, I've been pretty healthy so far. I mean, just, um, I know my dad, he has a rotational job in Kazakhstan. So because of the whole like travel restrictions, it's been kind of hard for him to go to work. Every, but other than that, I mean, we've been doing pretty well. How about you guys? Well, um, you know, I, in the beginning I was hiding under the desk cause I was afraid it was going to bite me on the ass. But now, uh, I'm alive. I'm kicking. I've never, thank God I've never caught it. Uh, but I work at a hospital during the day and, uh, it's, you know, I, I get a little scared because uh, the pandemic has been really, really bad here in New York, especially here in Long Island. Uh, and it's getting worse. And, uh, now with the vaccine and they're giving the vaccine, I don't know if I want to try the vaccine yet until maybe a year from now, because I don't know what is in the vaccine. I don't know if it can cause cancer or, or future problems, uh, moving forward. So, I took a step back and I said I didn't want the vaccine. Maybe it was the wrong choice. Uh, we will see. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the recruiting process. Now, I've asked a lot of recruits, uh, what, what is it like uh, being interviewed on Zoom? Uh, you're not getting, not getting the opportunity to check out the school, uh, you know, hand-in-hand, talking to the coaches face-to-face. What is it like being recruited on Zoom? Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot different. I mean, I much rather like being able to talk to people like in person, like when they're right in front of me, but I mean, it's still a way for me to communicate to people. It's still nerve wracking, probably a little less nerve wracking. I don't know. I mean, there's just those like little social cues that you kind of get when you're in person, which you don't really get anymore just because everything's on zoom and, and all that. But I know my school, we're on, we're on campus now, so I'm pretty happy about that. So I actually get to socialize like with other people instead of just being on Zoom all day. So I was reading an article uh, about you, and you actually had a quote which was very interesting. You said, I can't wait to, again to play in the snow. You grow, you're in Bakersfield, California right now, now going to Wyoming, which we've seen some snow college football games this year. So what is it about the, the cold weather for football, for football players like you that you really get excited to play more, especially as a defensive tackle? Um, well, I I grew up in many different places. One of the places I grew up in was in Calgary, Canada. And so um, I just, 
I, I remember the winter days going outside and playing in the snow, but I never really got to play any sports in the snow. I mean, I played baseball and it started to snow a little bit, but that was pretty much it. But um, I just, I just remember going out with my friends, tobogganing down the hill and all that. So uh, just to be able to look forward to that in Wyoming is, it's not the main thing I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of other things I love about the place, but that is a pretty big selling point. <laughs> we are talking to Wyoming and defensive line recruit JJ Uphold. Now, JJ, first of all, what is your, what's your real name? What's your first name? What's your middle name? Oh, my, uh, my first name is Jesus Jr. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what is that laugh? You sound like a, a duck or something like that. Did you hear that? It was like, I was worse than a crow, JJ. <laughs> what the hell is that? I, I, I kind of heard it. I mean, it kind of broke up a little bit. It was bad. It was terrible. Thank God you didn't hear it. I want to smack him on the side of the head. But uh, what, what is your real name? <laughs> oh, Joshua Joseph. Joshua Joe. My middle name or, is Joseph, Joseph too. Uppled, my last name. Well, my middle name is Joseph too. So uh, we have something. It, in com- my middle name is Joseph too. Oh, so wow. <laughs> we have something in common. My name is Errol Joseph. I don't. They use my friends used to call me EJ. Right. So there you go. Not JJ. EJ. So we we've got something in common. Mm-hmm. So what is it? What is it like? You know, with with everything that's gone on this past year with the COVID nineteen. Uh, did you have a high school season? Um, I mean, we're in, it's not set yet. I mean, we haven't had it in the actual like season where we're supposed to have it, but they said it's still postponed, which I don't know what that means, but I know that, um, right now we've been going, me, it's basically all the Garces kids, the school I go to and a couple other kids in Bakersfield. We have this uh, club team where we go to Arizona and we play actual full on football games there. So it's, at least we have that to do, which it's it's a lot of fun going out there. It's basically a high school season. It's just you have to drive like four and a half hours to get over there. No, oh, screw that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So what is I that? Mean, my friend? My friend somehow can get there in like three hours flat. <laughs> well, well, over there, over there, where you are from, I mean, there's there's no cops. So probably open roads. You know. Uh, different ponds that you can jump into a boat or whatever the heck you want to do to get where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so what it's is just great desert? It's the high desert. <laughs> there you go, a desert, desert and national parks, <laughs> plenty of them. So sticking with high school football, you being in California now, what, what was some of those experiences like? Obviously, you're in a, a pretty big area, not super big, like comparison to the cities, but uh, but a state that's really more baseball and basketball. You think of what was the football experience like with all that? both on and off the field. I mean, here in Bakersfield, our, our football league, I, I think is pretty tough. We're in one of the more tougher, I guess, leagues in the city. There's different, like we're in the South, the Southwest Yosemite league. And there's other like Yosemite, South Yosemite leagues. But um, I mean, just being able to play against other kids in my area. I mean, and knowing that like, I explain this just the the competition level is a little it, it's I, I i like to think of it as it's it's kind of i mean i i don't really know how to say it. just i still competitive think the, the competitive level is pretty high here and it's competitive it, it's a little comparable to the ones in la mm-hmm. but yeah it's competitive <laughs> Uh, we are talking to Wyoming and defensive line recruit J.J. Uphold. So tell us why Wyoming. Out of all the schools that were recruiting you, what made you decide 
that you want to be a Wyoming player? Um, well, ever since they, uh, that was actually the first school that was interested in me. I remember, um, my coach, coach Gola, he called me as soon as I put up my highlight video, he called me saying that Wyoming's interested. So it just kind of like set my head that like, that was the first school that kind of like, I guess, contacted my coach about me about. So, um, there's that. And then I just loved how, um, coach Caligas there, he, would contact he contacted me pretty much on like a week basis and it wasn't just about football it was to get to know me like personally and all that and even after they offered me they still continued to uh, uh stay in touch with me so i just felt more connected to them on a personal level i guess as to say so so you you play a lot of defensive di- different defensive line positions uh from what i read about you um what are some of the biggest differences between each of them and also which ones are your favorite to play if you had a preference um, I mean, defensive ends, it's more like, I mean, depending on the play call, I kind of feel I have more of a free range to do stuff, but I mean, um, they're both pretty much the same, like defensive ends and the tackles. I don't Wyoming, I'll be playing defensive tackle, but, um, honestly, I don't really, I guess, have a preference, just pretty much wherever the team need me to be. I'm more than happy to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those kind of players, so. You know, if as I, long as I'm doing, getting my job done. JJ, if I put Speedy Petey in front of you, my producer over here, what do you think you could do to him on an open field? What what could you do to this kid right over here? I mean, look at him. I mean, he's so easy to look at and so easy that you want to hit him. So what would you do? If I put you in the middle of a football field right now and I told you to run him over, what do you think you could do to somebody like him? I'd just do what you said. I'd just run him over. His <laughs> lower shoulder down. <laughs> Well, he he would be easy to do it to. I, I, that's for sure. So, um, as everybody knows, we are talking to Wyoming and defensive line recruit JJ Uphold. Now, JJ, uh, playing the defensive line position has become uh, a very important position in college football and the NFL. We talk about the pass rush. I was just talking about what makes a good NFL Super Bowl competitive team: a good pass rush and a good running game. What? What kind of player are you? Are you a guy that goes after the quarterback? Are you good on stopping the run? What is your strength, and what would you say is your weakness and what you need to work on? Hmm. Um, I'd probably say one of my strengths is being able to, like, probably being able to read if it's a run or a pass, just if they're down blocking one way or not, being able not to be able to not to run upfield, which I had – struggled with in the past but uh, a lot of practice made me not run up the field anymore (laughs) but (laughs) just being able to contain my gap and stay there and wait for the running back to come over um what am i i mean i wouldn't say it's a weakness like i I don't mean to be cocky but i i do find getting around the tackle is kind of (laughs) easy but um (laughs) One of the weaknesses is then trying to be able to track the quarterback because then he always rolls out or does something. Are you? What is but your? What is your strength? Is your? That. Is it your hands? Is it your footwork? What? What makes it so easy to get around the tackle? A combination of both, but mostly footwork. Honestly, the most important thing to Just, a pass yeah, rusher. Yeah. 
The most important thing to a pass Sorry. rusher. It's the most important thing to a pass rusher. I think people forget it's it's really it's good footwork and and really know how to work the hands. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald has become yes. mm-hmm. um, a pro in the NFL. I mean, you can't stop the guy mm-hmm. because of his his footwork and his hands. Uh, unbelievable hands. So I, yes. I think those are the two most important things when it comes to a pass rusher. The, the what was it that one video of him he was training with like the knives or whatever i was like whoa <laughs> that was i know he has phenomenal handwork unbelievable <laughs> best handwork i've i've ever seen since maybe Lawrence Taylor that's how good he is. I would say the fastest guy fastest defensive tackle i've ever seen so he's just incredible. So two part question one who is your nfl team and two who is uh, one player that influenced you a lot growing up watching and playing football? Um, I mean, I, since I lived overseas, I never really got like, I never really had an NFL team. I mean, if anything, I just say we're like where I was born, the bears, but I mean, they're, they're doing all right. Uh, I didn't see if they won or lost yesterday. Did they win? They lost. They lost. They, they lost. They lost against the saints. 24, nine. They lost. So they're yeah, 21, they're nine, I think. Yeah. But Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe in the future, maybe I'll start watching them. Listen, li- listen. If he goes to the NFL, <laughs> well, he'll become a team of the NFL team that he plays for. How's that sound? Huh? I said that if uh, whenever when you get drafted and you get drafted by the team that drafts you, you'll become a fan of that team. There you go. There for you sure, go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, be my thing. So this is what we do, my friend. Yeah. This, and then yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the second part. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Or... Go ahead. Second part. I was going to say the second part of the question, the fair mm-hmm. player. Um, yeah, the fair player, I'd probably say a – I'd probably say, like, Rob Gronkowski because he played uh, basketball as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that I, – I remember reading how he had uh, – he didn't have necessarily, ang- like, anger issues. He just got, like, frustrated on the court and everything, which um, I – when I was in middle school, I struggled with being frustrated a lot. So, I don't know. I just feel like – that was the same thing, me and him, but I, I kind of figured out how to tone that down so I don't get as angry, frustrated anymore, like to the point where I just lose my head. <laughs> Jimmy Grant played basketball, and and he's he plays for your uh, Chicago Bears. You're not a Jimmy Grant fan? Jimmy Grant? No, or Jimmy Wait, what? Jimmy Graham. He plays for your Chicago Bears. He's a, he's a tight end just like Rob Gronkowski. And he and he played basketball too. He played college basketball. Huh. Well, I mean, I don't really follow NFL that much. I just kind of like, I got gotcha. you. I usually watch a Super Bowl game here and there. Yeah, or I'll watch highlights of certain players. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. So we do this. Yeah. Uh we uh, this is what we do, JJ. What we do is we ask you three silly questions. We expect you to answer them with a silly answer. And then mm-hmm. we let you interview us. We let you interview us and ask us three questions, whatever questions you want to ask us. Anything you want. Are you ready? All right. All I right. believe the three questions I have for you is going to be a little tough to figure out. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. First question. Boxers <laughs> or briefs, and why? Hmm. What were briefs again? Are briefs again? are the like, like the shorts that you know are tight around your legs. You know they keep your uh, your friends over there nice and tight and, and firm. So, uh, <laughs> boxers or briefs when you're playing I a game? Uh, yeah, 
Oh, when I play as uh, when I play a sport, probably briefs because mm-hmm. I want to keep everything nice and tucked in. Mm-hmm. But when I'm just chilling, I want boxers, let everything hang loose. You like to hang them loose, man. You like it, like the air smacking them, right? You know, that's mm-hmm. yeah. I got you. I got you. You got to keep your fellows <laughs> a little nice yeah. and uh, breezy. You know, Speedy. Uh, unfortunately, my partner over here, he 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 likes to wear tidy whities. No, I don't. Do not listen to him. He wears tidy whities, my friend. <laughs> he wears SpongeBob tidy whities. Um, and actually, if, if you actually watch this show, this is a kid that actually admitted that he has come on this show, produced a show. No, I said at my house. He Don't produced this show, bad ass, uh, I'm sorry, butt ass naked. Okay? I was wearing my pajamas in my house butt over ass Thanksgiving naked. break. Butt ass naked, JJ. Okay, this Don't is what listen this kid, to him. This is a butt ass naked producer. Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of, wait, I, <laughs> I kind of follow, follow that too. I mean... During quarantine, whenever I go on class, I, I wouldn't wear any pants or anything. I just wear a straight underwear and a T-shirt. Oh, man. Uh, so you're walking around the school in just straight underwear. That's that's pretty good. Well, there you go. Anyways. <laughs> no, no, like on Zoom, I know. On I'm Zoom. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> a little New York uh, comedy, okay? I'm just trying. I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's all right. Sometimes it cuts out. I don't it's all right, your... man. It's all right. I, I know, you know, the, the speed over there of the internet is not as fast as it is over here. So uh, we understand. Uh, second I mean, question. If I could, I would walk around still in just underwear. Yeah, well, I, I, I get know, in trouble for that. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if you dare me, I'd probably walk around the school naked. So I don't, I could care less. You know, I've got no shame in that. Anyways, uh, second question I have for you: favorite snack to eat before a game? Oh, the uh, what are they called? The bacon gouda sandwiches from Starbucks. I love those things. I never had those before. Bacon sandwiches they're from like, Starbucks. They're the, they're called bacon goudas. They're from Starbucks. I always I always I'll either eat that or some kind of sausage thing. I don't know. I just I, I like Starbucks. Well, you know, it's funny you said sausage. Uh, my producer is a big sausage fan, and and he told me he rather black sausages over white sausages. Why, Speedy? Spicy, better flavor. I so like it's better flavor sausages. with the black sausages <laughs> from the white sausages. Why don't you like white sausages? They're, they're not bad. They're just not as flavorful to me. Flavorful. You see that? So he, he likes the, the dark sausages. So just so you know, uh, if you like sausages, <laughs> you need, have any questions on spicy and dark and white sausages, you come to him. He is our guy. Okay. <laughs> For sure. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to the expert. <laughs> All right, last question I have for you. Blondes or brunettes, and why? Blondes or brunettes? I mean, damn. Um, I know that if you would ask me when I was a freshman, I would have said blondes. But if you ask me now, I'd say probably uh, – What's it? What's the hair for just black hair? Yeah, brunettes. Girlfriend's Latina, so yeah, brunettes. Yeah, yeah, brunettes. So let's say let's say we 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 put a wig, a brunette wig on Speedy, and we get him in a dress. What do you think? Do you think he would be a hot? You know, shave his beard, shave his mustache. You think he'd be a hot woman? Do you think that he'd be attractive over there where you live? Oh yeah. No, don't lie. I mean, could you? A hot dame. <laughs> Speedy the hot dame. <laughs> all right. So because because I know you're probably not all about the questions, I'll let you ask us two questions. You can ask us whatever you want. Hit us with any question you have. 
Hmm. All right, so it needs to probably be something silly. Mm-hmm. No, it could be whatever um, you want. Whatever you want. Let's see. Has Speedy ever had a girlfriend? The answer? I mean, one thing I do wonder is where in her. What? I said, did, Spe- did Speedy ever have a girlfriend? Yes or no, Speedy? No. Okay, so there you go. Have you ever kissed really? a girl, Speedy? Yes. How many times? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, my friend. <laughs> All right, well... Um, I mean, it's more of a serious question. Where in New, uh, are you guys based in New York, and where in New York are you guys based? In? We're based in Long Island, New York. This is where our headquarters are. Uh, Long Island is uh, it's on. You know, you've heard of the Hamptons if you watch the Jersey Shore, and or uh, yeah, or yeah. Um, uh, you would uh, the Kardashians. They have the dash over there um, in the Hamptons. We're right over there. We're we're before the Hamptons. We're Suffolk County, so that's where okay. we are. Yeah, it's All definitely right. different. It's unique. Uh, if you ever if you ever make it to the NFL or you ever come out of New York, I'll show you around, man. I'll take you to wine country over here. Okay, that's nice. I I went to New York for a basketball tournament before, so I I was on Lower East Manhattan. Okay, I know exactly where you were. All right, well, yeah. Um, my one question actually is: uh, Have you ever heard of uh, JJ's gardening show? The JJ what? JJ's Gardening Show? No, I've never heard of JJ's Gardening. Uh, obviously, somebody over there you're looking at, and you're, you're trying to not smile or laugh. Yeah. So, so what? What kind of show is that? I, I don't. I don't well, watch gardening shows. I don't. I don't do that. Um. Basically, it's a YouTube. Well, me and my friend have a YouTube channel called mm-hmm. Production Studios, and so we made this. We make a bunch of stupid skits. So, I mean, you should probably check that out if you want. It's, I will. Um, I will. It's basically me. I put a sombrero on. I do a bunch of stupid stuff in the backyard. So, yeah. Well, I, I will say this, JJ. Uh, you know, my uh, producer yeah. my, produ- my, my producer over here, uh, he doesn't shave, uh, you know, under his uh, tidy whities So, maybe. I don't wear tidy whities Don't he, listen to You know, me. maybe you can do a skit with him. You know, I, I mean. He needs to learn how to shave over there, right, Speedy? I'm not I'll, doing I'll it do in an outdoor shit. garden I'll or a use. backyard. <laughs> <laughs> a manscape, man. You need to scape over there. So and maybe not outside. Maybe JJ can help you. What are you not think? doing it outside. Why not? You want rather do it in your house where it's all over the place? What? Oh, no. I'd rather do that than get exposed publicly. Oh man. Also, here's a. Here's another question. Do you think uh, you could bench PD if you wanted to? Absolutely. I um, I maxed out. You know, I I work out. I used to work out a lot. I still work out a lot, but uh, I you know because of my neck injury, I don't work out as much. Um, I max out at three sixty five. So, um, Speedy weighs one hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. So I could probably bench almost three of Speedy. So there you go. Could you do one wow. hand. <laughs> I, I could probably curl Speedy with my, my both my hands. Yeah. Yeah. I like to work out, man. How tall are you? How much do you weigh? Oh, I'm I'm six five and I weigh uh what was the last time I did? Last time I weighed I was two fifty what was I? Two fifty, I believe. But that was like that was like, like three weeks ago, so I don't know how much I weigh right now. Uh, you gotta put some. You gotta put some mass on you, man. I mean, I'm not six five. I'm about five ten, and I weigh about two twenty, two fifteen. That's probably how much I weigh. You know, I'm I'm a pretty big guy. 
You know, with this guy over here, soaking wet. I mean, he's like 140, 150 pounds. You know, I, I, I probably blow. I probably blow when you fly away. You know, <laughs> if I could fly, that would that would change a lot. But I can't. <laughs> oh man, JJ, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Oh, um, my Instagram. What's my Instagram? I. I don't really use Instagram that much, anymore, but I believe it's like, oh, what even is it? Anyway, but my YouTube channel is Production Studios, all one word, capital P, capital S. Production Studios, uh, Production Studios. I'm surprised you were the first one to get that name. You would think of a more generic name like that. I am going to. I am definitely going to check it out, man. I, I it definitely... ain't that generic. It's... No, but it's it's, it it's a common type of thing. I'm not. I'm not. We figured it out fresh from here. No, I know. I'm not, I'm not dissing it. I'm saying, like, I'm surprised, like, that they would stop you from making that day. Like, it wasn't taken already whenever you did do it. I don't know how long you've been doing it. Don't but. worry, JJ. If he's dissing you, uh, it's not saying much. Studios in two words. Hmm. Right. That was taken. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> if yeah. he, JJ, if and he's... We even tried, we tried emailing them, asking them to change the name, but they never responded because they didn't post anything in over, like, a couple of years. <laughs> well, if, if, if Speedy Petey is dissing you, it's not saying much. So don't worry, JJ. It's don't, don't worry about that. So uh, <laughs> who do you got for the national title game, bud? National title game? Who's in it right now? You got Ohio State versus Alabama. Who do you have? Oh, Alabama. <laughs> uh, I figured he was going to pick the SEC, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't yeah. hide from it. He doesn't string from it. So uh, I have Bama. He has Ohio State. So what, I'll say. what is uh? What is your girlfriend's name, man? Oh, she has a weird name. Her name's Americus. Americus. Ooh, Ooh that's I like cool. that. Yes, it's uh, it's from it's from some movie. I forget what it was. I, I keep thinking of something over the moon, but mm. oh, it's where the home where the heart is. Oh, I know. I I've, I know of the movie. I know of the movie. Yeah. Americus. Okay. All right. It's all right. How long have you guys been together? About two years now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Is she moving over there Thank to you. Wyoming with you, bud? Yeah, she actually is. Oh. She got accepted a couple. Well, she, she, she was accepted a long time ago, but she just now enrolled. There you go, so, yeah. man. So he's got his girlfriend heading over there with him. So they could party <laughs> like a rock star. Just like Speedy did when he went to college sure. with uh, his tidy whities I did not wear tidy whities That's enough. He still wears tidy whities Enough. Yeah, I mean, if you were the if you were the guy at the party in tidy whities living life, man, I, I salute you. Yeah, <laughs> I that salute him. That too. was not the case. Yes, it is. That it's absolutely the case. the case, JJ. He's a tidy whitey man. He can lie to you all he wants. I That's, believe you. I believe you. I, I I know. I know. By the way, by the way, before before we let you go, on a side note, uh, I would say back in September, we actually interviewed one of your teammates in high school, Zach Bucky. Mm. <laughs> He's like, mm, mm, mm. yeah, I know Zach. Yeah. I have never heard of that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was a nice kid. So yeah. are you, man. Mm -hmm. So we are going to keep in touch with you, bud. Thank uh, you. We're going to keep in touch with you. We definitely would. And will and uh, when uh, your season starts next year, uh, we'd love to get you on. All right, that sounds great. I I enjoy being here too. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, JJ. Um, we were just talking to Wyoming defensive line recruit JJ 
uphold. And by the way, Jesus Jr. Jesus Jr., <laughs> okay? The Jesus man, okay? Just so you know, Speedy, when you ask them before we get them on the show, you ask them what position they play. What is wrong with you? Uh, seriously. Sometimes I just want to smack, smack you around a couple of times. Really. Anyways. Um, at 7.15, we'll be talking to Mets Memorized. What is it? Mets Memorized. Mets Memorized Writer. What? Is that a blog or a... Um, it's an, yeah, it's a website. It's a website. Is that his website? No, but it's a Mets website. Why can't you just say Mets Writer? That would be easier. That, that would make a lot of sense. Anyways, um, before we go to break, uh, before we get our special guest, I do want to finish up with football. And... Speedy, what stood out to you this past weekend in the NFL? There was something that did stand out to me, but what stood out to you in the NFL? I think a lot of the defense that was played in that divisional round was really a big deal. We were thinking that a lot of high-scoring games with a lot more offensive-type teams. We talked about the Saints having a great defense and the Rams, teams like that, but a lot of the teams that made it this year were more of the offensive teams. So it was surprising there was a lot of low-scoring games, and also it was a lot of like a lot of fluky plays in that game. You look at the Rams-Seahawks game. Um, you look at the you look at the Titans-Ravens game. There was a lot of weird plays. All the controversy in the Colts-Bills. It was a very weird start to that. But overall, a lot of low-scoring games, which, which actually surprised me and it really helps a lot of those teams those underdog teams that have an advantage now going into the divisional round like I mentioned with the Rams and also with the Browns besides besides the Colts game what stood out to me was the referee Mm -hmm. I think the refereeing was great this past weekend it really was besides the Colts game the the controversy uh, of the game the play call, I mean, oh, everything. I mean, the referees let the games go. There was a very little pl- penalties in every single one of the games, if you noticed right. it. I, I thought it was very clean. It was a very clean weekend. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see controversy plays that could cost a team um, um, a win or moving on in the playoffs or maybe going to the Super Bowl, a.k.a. Uh, other teams we've been talking about, yeah. the Saints. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping that these the refereeing uh, continues the way it is. I, I've been very, very, very impressed with the referee uh, refereeing on the wild card. Weekend. Yeah, I think there was one game. I want to say it was the Washington-Tampa game. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a penalty, I think, until the early in the second quarter, which is pretty impressive. No, it was it was great refereeing. It really was. They let the game go. They played. They let the players play. And that's what you want to see. And by the way, I am going to question what Pete Carroll said at the end of the game when he got eliminated. I, I know he I know Pete Carroll sticks up for his players. I know he sticks up for Russell Wilson and what they did and he thought they had a great season. Listen, Pete, when you play, you play to make the playoffs. If you get eliminated by a team and a backup quarterback the way you did and a, a real uh, a quarterback that just had thumb surgery two weeks before the playoff game and you lose in that game, that says a lot about your coaching. It really does. That says a lot about your coaching. I don't want to hear it from all these Seattle Seahawks fans. Well, Pete didn't really have a fair shake. Yes, he did. And we've seen Pete Carroll uh, in the Super Bowl cost his team a Super Bowl championship. We've heard it from Marshawn Lynch. We heard it from um, Richard Sherman. Sherman. We've heard it from Earl Thomas. Mm -hmm. We've heard it from all these guys. And for some reason, I love Pete Carroll. He's a great player's coach. He really is. Pete Carroll is terrible at play calling in the playoffs. It, 
Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's weird because he has a lot of these types of fluky type games, and usually you don't see it in the first round. A lot of times you see it in the second round with the Seahawks. I think they were only knocked out in the wild card round once before this year, but still, they always have these fluky games, and sometimes it's just so obvious that he tries to overthink things at times. If the Rams are going to come in with either a backup quarterback or Jared Goff with a broken thumb, of course they're going to run the ball more. And yet Cam Akers was so consistent, he went off for for really the three quarters, and then they didn't really run with him much in the fourth because they had a big lead. That seems so obvious. What did I tell you about Cam Akers? Yeah. What did I tell you? Mm-hmm. I Fantastic. told everybody. I said that Cam Akers is going to be one of the best running backs playing uh, this past weekend. And what did he do? He ran all over the place on Seattle. He ran over. He, not only was he the best player on the field, he was one of the best players this weekend. Mm-hmm. And this is a rookie running back. A rookie running back that really had to, hadn't played much until the second half of the season. He's been sa- absolutely sensational. Really has. You talk about some of the – when we talk about Cooper Cup and how they found Cooper Cup, the same thing with Cam Akers. I, I have to say that about the, the Rams. And the Rams are a dangerous team. They're as dangerous as any team in the NFC. And if, Ga- if Jared Goff was actually at least 90 to 95% healthy, I would have picked him to go all the way to the Super Bowl. I really would. I, I don't know if I trust Jared Goff's finger to hold up throughout the playoffs. They lost their backup quarterback in Wolford. Uh, he, he's probably going to miss next week uh, because of the concussion. I think it was a concussion yep. that he had. So, Bring on Blake Bortles as the backup. Oh God. <laughs> Could you imagine Blake Bortles playing that game? Could you imagine... Oh my God, that's scary to see. I mean, give him credit. The one playoff he did play it, he played well. So. Yeah, with Jacksonville, with that defense and a great running game. Oh my God, Blake Bortles would scare me. He would absolutely <laughs> scare me. But uh, how about basketball? Uh, what, do, what do you think about the Knicks and the way they're playing? Is Julius Randle for real? What do you think? He is, at least for the time being, for real in terms of growing. Do you think he's real? Do you think that he could? he's turning into the superstar player uh, as the first-round draft pick, as a lottery pick that he was a couple of years ago? I don't know if he'll go so far as superstar yet, but at least a star. I mean, he's finally well-rounded. That's a big deal. He used to be just an offensive threat. Speedy's favorite word, well-rounded. Well-rounded. That's what you look at when you're judging who is the best players in the league. Obviously, Randall's not there yet, but, I mean, he's at least up into that star, all-star caliber type of player that, you, you want to see the Knicks have. And finally, he's getting assists. Yeah, well, I will say this. The way the Knicks are playing, the way they're being coached, I know they've laid up a dud uh, this past weekend uh, against OKC. I think they're, they're so fun to watch. They really are. And you talk about the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are going to have a lot of problems moving forward this season because they don't have a backup uh, point guard. And now Kyrie Irving... I don't know what the hell's going on with Kyrie Irving. We understand what's going on in, uh, in Washington, D.C. We understand what he's trying to do, and he's trying to make a statement. How could Kevin Durant honestly could sit there playing? He's playing in the games and say that we support what Kyrie Irving's doing. He's costing his team a chance to win. He is. How could you not play? Uh, he doesn't want to talk to the press. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't want to play in the games because he wants to prove a point. This is a guy that always has to be the center of attention. He did it in Cleveland. He did it in, in, uh, in Boston. And now he's doing it right now uh, with, the, with the, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Absolutely horrendous. Not only does he think the earth is flat, I think his brain is flat. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I mean, how could Kevin Durant actually support what Kyrie Irving is doing? He's costing your, cha- your team a chance to possibly seed better at the end of the year. 
How could you? How could you agree with what he's doing? Yeah, especially without Dinwiddie, that's going to be very hard to. get. They don't have a backup point right. guard. Mm-hmm. Who are they going to bring in? I mean, you can make fun of the Knicks all you want, and the Knicks are a playoff team. I don't think they still are a playoff team. But what you've seen with the Knicks is these players are actually playing hard for the coach. Steve Nash has never been a coach in his life. A matter of fact, we've heard Kyrie Irving said that they don't even have a coach. <laughs> So that's a huge problem moving forward for the Brooklyn Nets. All these Brooklyn Nets fans are so-called Brooklyn Nets fans are so excited for the season. Who is excited to see Kyrie Irving sit out for three games and tell everybody that he's doing it for what? What did he say? What is he doing it for? He's doing it for, to, to send a message. I think with something with the the government. I don't remember the exact words, but something like that. But we all know he's that can sending mean, a message. Yeah, we all know that can mean he could be gone for another three weeks for another reason. <laughs> it's just absolutely horrendous. It really is. And for the Brooklyn Nets to sit there and and for the fact that they're not fining him for this, I, I think is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And and I will say this: as a New York Knicks fan, as a New York minute type of basketball fan for to sit here and say that everybody couldn't wait for the season to start to watch this Brooklyn net team play and thought that the Knicks were going to be that bad of a team to watch. The Knicks have been more exciting to watch than the Brooklyn nets have. And that's, and that's not saying much, but that's saying all that you need to know about what we've seen with the Brooklyn nets and what this team is. And for, for anybody to think that Amari Stoudemire is the defensive coordinator, the defensive mind on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets, well, if that's the case, the Brooklyn Nets aren't going far in the playoffs. Maybe that's St- for sure. Maybe Steve Nash will eventually have to start playing point guard again. <laughs> I, maybe. Maybe come out of retirement. Maybe bring back Kenny Atkinson to be your point guard. I, I don't know. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's just, uh, for what we've seen, and what, what has stuck, stuck out to you right now uh, in the NBA season? Yeah, a lot of the Western Conference has really been up and down so far for what we expected. I think the the Suns have definitely been very impressive so far. We this, knew that was going to happen. But not 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 number one in the West impressive. Like, I did. Knew, you thought that good? Absolutely. Like, top three type? Absolutely. Uh-huh. You have two two young superstars, and you put one of the best point guards in NBA history. Uh, yes. One of the best point guards in NBA history. Not Steph Curry, ladies and gentlemen. A guy that's done it for 10 years straight. Okay? I'm so sick and tired of hearing that Steph Curry is a top five point guard of all time. It's ridiculous. And a guy with one of the most insane records you'll ever see. What was it? 102 or something straight games with a steal? Yeah. <laughs> when he was with the Hornets. You saw what he did with OKC last year. And now you're seeing what he's doing with the Suns. You see the difference of what the point guard could do in a point guard position and leadership can do for a team and you're seeing with the Suns. It's been absolutely incredible what the Suns have been doing. And yes, I did believe that they were going to be on the top of the league because of Chris Paul and the talent that they have. Even their bench, very talented. Look at all the first-round draft picks they have on that team. They have a ton of them. So I'm not surprised about that. And and I'm very surprised. And Golden State's starting to play well because Draymond Green came back. Who would have thought that Draymond Green would have t- changed the whole aspects of this offense? And he's not doing that well. I mean, I think he's averaging four or five points a game, six rebounds a game, and four assists. Those aren't superstar numbers, but the defensive side of the ball really changes the outcome of what this team is, especially in the second half of the game. Yeah, again, the, the, the Warriors are going to have to be a different identity if they're going to go far anyway, just because 
the players, even though the wing players are decent with Wiggins and Oubre, it's still not the same old Splash Brothers. So they have to be a little bit different. They're more of a front court identity team. And I think Draymond's really attested to that. Draymond's really done well passing inside, rebounding like he normally does. James Wiseman's playing well. You have certain guys that are really... Who would have thought, who wouldn't have thought that James Wiseman was going to play, not play well? <laughs> well, of course, they rigged the, rigged the draft for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, James Wiseman is going to be a superstar player. And you give him another year, and he'll be one of the best power forwards in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how good he's going to be. Yeah, so they're going to be a different identity from what they normally are. And I think they had to adjust in order for them to do that. They couldn't just be the same old Warriors because even though the Warriors obviously dominated the league for a while, the league has changed a lot with more big men shooting and big men passing since then. It wasn't the same small backcourt type league when the Warriors were dominant. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to Mets Marais writer Matt Musico, right? Musico. Just music with an O. Well, you see, why don't you pronounce that instead of being such a... I don't know. When we come back, we'll have uh, Matt Musico here on Down to the Wire. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Down to the Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, I'm dancing. I'm loving it. You know, a little beat, a little boogie. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And you can download our app. Yes, if you want to smack Speedy a couple of times in the head to get it out of him, I you don't even have to do that. I'll give you the information. All you have to do to go to the app is you go to iOS, WWSRM, which is uh, Apple, or Android. You go to the Play Store, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All the articles, our, our shows are live on there. I, all you have to do is download the app. It's so easy to use. I made it easy for you guys to use. It is fan-friendly. Check it out. Download it. Well, we've been talking a lot about this team for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Uncle Stevie running the organization now. We have Sandy Alderson. We have uh, just a completely different management uh, running this organization now. And now we have one of their writers. We are now talking to Mets Marais writer, Matt Musico. What's going on, Matt? Nothing much. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. I mean, why not talk Mets baseball? I mean, there's nothing going on with the New York Yankees. So uh, Francisco Lindor, Carrasco, uh, this is big news for New York fans, uh, exciting for New York fans, knowing that the Wilpons, or may we say the coupons, didn't like to open their pockets. Now we have Uncle Stevie opening his pockets. He's going to pay this kid between $250, $300 million, and he's one of the best players in baseball. What did you think about this trade? Um, well, I still don't think it's real, <laughs> just because we've, Mets fans have been conditioned to not think that uh, good things are supposed to happen to them. So still trying to like get used to that. But um, uh, I actually, for whatever reason, I missed all of the or- earlier reports on Thursday that were saying that there was momentum toward the trade actually happening. So I didn't even really know that it was happening until the deal was getting finalized. So I don't know how I missed it, but... Um, I almost like fell out of my chair uh, just because, like you said, I mean, this is one of the best players in baseball. If you look at it, I think from 
since uh, 2015, uh, if you look at certain stats, he's among the top five with regard to like F war and things like that. Uh, he's a dynamic dude. He's only 27. So yes, they're going to pay a premium for him, but they're going to get him throughout his physical prime. Uh, it's like a dream come true. And uh, you know, as a Mets fan, we're conditioned to know that, you know, there's going to be a little lull at some point, a little valley. Uh, but for right now, it's been a, a nonstop high since Thursday, at least, just because uh, what we've been waiting for finally happened. So a lot of baseball people, not just even Mets fans, are saying this is one of the biggest steals they've seen in a while for the player caliber of, of Lindor. Did you see that trade to be that way? And also, if they do resign him, which the Mets are likely to, what do you think his value is going to be both years-wise and average annual value? Uh, well, I could see why people would think that it was a steal. I think the the runner up were the Blue Jays, and from what the reports had said, I don't know if the if their proposed package actually came out, but they had I think a better overall package, but it was more long term guys. And as we've seen over the last eighteen months, with the Indians basically shipping out any pretty any any good pitcher that they have, and they still have a really good rotation, anyways. Uh, they're trying to thread this needle of not spending any money and also being really competitive at the same time too. So um, I can see why people would think it's a steal because when you see these two guys involved in a deal, you would imagine there has to be at least one top prospect involved and the Mets were able to hold on to all their top prospects. Um, I think the reason why it probably won't end up being a steal is because we don't really know what Rosario and Jimenez are going to be doing yet. They're going to be plugged right into their everyday lineup in the middle infield. So uh, I can see why the Indians were were interested in that package specifically because the AL Central is still pretty much a dumpster fire outside of the White Sox for the most part. So uh, they still have a shot at being competitive, at least getting into October. You know, Advancing through October is another story, but uh, they still have a chance at being good. And these two guys are still super, super young. We don't really know exactly what they're capable of yet. They could end up being really, really good. Um, but I can certainly see why. I mean, I was really happy that mm-hmm. the, the prospects that were not given up are still with the Mets. And, you know, we knew at least from what we heard from Cohen and Alderson that, you know, they weren't actually going to do that. This is not a Brody Van Wagenen type of uh, front office anymore. They're not going to give up the world for Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, when you compare those two deals, it just makes it look even more lopsided. It's just crazy that they gave up more for those two guys than they did to get two of the best players uh, over the past five years or so in the league. Um with regard to his value, I mean, yeah, I feel like three hundred thousand or three hundred million dollars. I wish three hundred thousand. Um, three hundred million is probably going to be like the starting point. No, I think when uh, I agree. Yeah, um, when they were talking about it, I think maybe it was last spring in Cleveland. They were talking about an extension. I think Cleveland offered two hundred million. He wanted three hundred million, and you know, not much has changed. So, um, I would imagine. I mean, I feel like three hundred million in like ten years has got to be probably around the benchmark that that he's looking at. Um, and it, depending on what's going to happen with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. over the next couple weeks. He may set the market for that too, even though he's much younger than he is. But um, yeah, I would imagine that that's got to be the starting point. And if it is, if that's what it is, then that's not a that's not a bad, big deal. I don't think. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll 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 definitely have to see. As you guys know, we are talking to Mets Mirage writer Matt Musico. Now, Matt, I I I think this was a great move for the New York Mets. They needed a superstar player. I, I, I hate when people say this is a guy that's going to be the face for the New York Mets. This is a guy that came from the Cleveland Indians. They have guys 
uh, like Pete Alonso, I think is the face of the New York Mets moving forward. He's what do they call him? The polar bear. He's he's the guy that I believe speaks up. All the fans have like really fled to him as uh-huh. as uh, the superstar player. Yes, Francisco Lindor is the uh, probably the most talented player now on this team. A five tool player that can do everything. He smiles all the time. He puts you know he puts fannies in his seats. My problem with Francisco Lindor isn't the fact that he isn't as talented as he is. My problem is, is when you look at his numbers in the playoffs, they're not as, uh, they don't pop out as much as they do in the regular season. Did you have any thoughts of that when when the Mets made this trade? Or uh, it really doesn't matter. We have to see what he does with the Mets early in the season and see what he could do with the Mets in the playoffs. Oh, I mean... I don't really care what he did in the playoffs in the past because the Mets need to get to the playoffs first before right. we need to even worry about that. So, um, and lots of times the playoffs can be a crapshoot anyways, too. Uh, even the best of players will struggle uh, in October. Right. So no, I'm not too worried about that. Um, and I think something like this, like you could tell, you could tell during his presser today, he was invigorated, excited. He's always smiling, but mm-hmm. still he was smiling a lot. Of course. Um, and you know, he's, he's ready to get to work and finally being on a team that he knows is planning on investing in the players on the field, which I mean, in Cleveland, we don't really know, you know, exactly what they're doing. So uh, they're just trying to like get the best bang for their buck and not spend a lot of money. So this is a different situation. So, you know, you never know how a player is going to react to that kind of stuff. So, I mean, would I rather have, have had his postseason experience in the past be a little bit better? Of course. Yeah, sure. But I mean, let's just get there first and then we'll worry about it when we get there. So the other end of the trade is Carlos Carrasco, who is a good number two, number three type pitcher. He's been an all-star throughout his career. What are you expecting out of him in terms of the current Mets rotation, maybe short-term and also long-term with the last three years of his contract? A contract that's actually pretty good, too. $12 million, $12 million, $14 million, which is very good for a player of his caliber. Obviously, he has to stay healthy, but what are you expecting out of Carrasco? Uh, well, pretty much what we've seen over the last few years. I mean, outside, I mean, this past year was shortened for everybody. Uh, 2019 was shortened for him because he had leukemia. Uh, so he had a little bit of an up and down year, but when we when you take a look at what he did from 2015 to 2018, he basically was exactly the same. He ate innings. He was around like 180, 190, 200 innings. Had about three and a half ERA. Was somewhere around three, four, five F4. Uh, so those are what his current projections are right now, and which would make him immediately the second best pitcher on the Mets staff if that's what actually happened. So uh, he, I would expect him to slot right in behind the Grom. He's used to that because he was behind Kluber for all those years. So he's kind of used to being the uh, the second tier guy in the, in the rotation, and he's taken to it pretty well. I think even the, even if the National League gets the Universal DH again, again going from American League to National League, people not seeing him for the you know for the first time, or people seeing him for the first time, or you know not not for a while. Um, you know, I think all those things are going to play to his advantage and, you know, he's got those three years in his contract. The last one's an option. So they really only have him for two guaranteed years. And if things go to hell in a handbasket, they don't have to pick up that option the last year too. So, um, it's obviously, there's a little bit of, I would say, I don't want to say concern, but there's always a little bit of risk when you you know take on a pitcher who's entering his mid thirties and you're paying him more than $10 million a year to pitch, um, but when you take a look at like his velocity and whatnot, everything's been pretty much the same uh, throughout the last four, five, six years. Uh, so he's just one of those quietly consistent towards the top half of the league uh, kind of arms that the Mets desperately need. I mean, we looked at you know, outside of Peterson and DeGrom last year, the, the rotation was a dumpster fire and there was nobody else to depend on. 
and you know you can reasonably depend on him to go out every fifth day and take the ball and and give the team a chance to win, which is all any team really wants. Matt, are you surprised that the Mets were the only team or have been the only team to make significant moves so far this offseason? I'm very surprised, and I know a lot of people, a lot of Yankee fans are having a heart attack because the Mets got Francisco Lindor, Carrasco. They haven't made a move. DJ LeMayu is still out there. People and teams are talking to DJ LeMayu. LeMayu, the Yankees don't want to give him a fifth year. He might be gone. Uh, the Yankees are looking at Didi Gregorius to come back, uh, come back to the team if they decide not to go and bring back DJ LeMayu. Are you surprised that the Mets were the only team out of all these teams that need help in certain aspects of their game are the only team that have made the significant moves this offseason? I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's just it's weird that the Mets are doing it because we're not used to them doing it. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, when you look at – I mean, I still think it's a little bit of baloney anyways. But when you look at the economics of the game, everyone's, you know, crying foul. The Phillies are losing billions of dollars, which is not true, obviously. But, you know, everyone's losing money or losing revenue. So it's like, okay. I mean, the last few years for MLB free agency has been a crawl anyways from November, December, January into February as it was. Um, and it's just gotten much worse because of everything that happened in 2020 with the COVID impact on the game. So I'm not too surprised. I mean, going into this offseason, it made sense that the Mets would be more active just because they're flush with cash and nobody else is. Um, but then also the Blue Jays are the only only real other team that uh, had popped up a lot in early rumors as kind of being more aggressive than any other team would be. And, you know, and beat as it may, those are the two that were going after Lindor. They were the two that are going after Springer. I don't know how much the Mets are going after Springer now, but still, you know, they're the ones that are kind of hanging out at the top, uh, at the top of the market and actually doing things. We're trying to do things for the, for the Blue Jays perspective. But I mean, with the Yankees and LeMahieu, it's like, it sounded like at least from some, some of the uh, articles that published last night, I think the one on Yahoo sports, he was only talking to the Yankees. So it's like, all right, go talk to other teams. The Yankees shouldn't be bidding against themselves. I mean, I understand the frustration, but it's like, you know, this is not the the old Steinbrenner area Yankees. Like they have the money to throw around when they want to, but uh, I don't see why Cashman would want to bid against himself to just bring him back. I mean, you know, let him go test the market, and then you know, hopefully they have final say. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be really surprised if he doesn't go back to the Bronx. So one of your articles, obviously written before the Lindor trade, but one of your articles mentioned. Trevor Bauer and the quality of contract numbers that you think are beneficial to the Mets. Could you explain to the, to the fans what you think could benefit for them pursuing Bauer? And does it change since the Lindor trade that uh, your perception of it? Yeah. So um, for anyone who's not familiar, quality of contact is just like essentially it's in, in a pitcher's batted ball profile. It just kind of breaks down how often they induce soft contact, medium contact, hard contact uh, from opposing hitters. So, uh, what I had noticed over the last couple of years in 2018, 2019, obviously, mostly uh, because of DeGrom, he kind of carried the load there. But you know, the majority of their rotation, uh, they were among the top of the league in you know, inducing soft contact and limiting hard contact. And uh, it made sense because you know, throughout the, the most recent rebuilding phase for the Mets, they were investing in elite young pitching prospects uh, and were hoping they would turn it into a, a legitimate rotation. The thing that didn't make sense for me, it, it never made sense, was the fact that they kind of disregarded defense while they were building this, uh, the, you know, kind of collecting all these elite young starting pitching prospects. So uh, it was beneficial for the fact that 
they have been so good in the quality of contact area of their game because they have crappy fielders, <laughs> then uh, you want to give them the best chance possible to actually make plays. Mm. So um, uh, they took a little bit of a step back this past year, and uh, someone like Bauer took a step forward in that this, uh, this past year. Uh, and it was aided by a little bit of a shift in pitch mix that he made. So, um, you know, I, the last couple of years, even before last year, before they signed Waka and Porcello, I was saying, like, they should be looking at those kinds of guys because if they're not going to change their defense, they need to at least kind of ha- they need to have pitchers that are able to induce soft contact more often than others to give their guys a chance to make plays. Um, I would be very surprised at this point if uh, if the Mets decided to continue to go after Bauer. Who knows how serious they ever really were uh, after getting Carrasco? Uh, just because I think they're they're I think about like thirty or forty million dollars under the luxury tax threshold. And some reports last week were saying they wanted to start the season with a little bit of a buffer, like five to ten million underneath the cap, or not the cap, but the threshold, mm-hmm. um, to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room. So I mean. That you would think, hypothetically speaking, that would rule out Bauer and Springer, mm-hmm. but who knows what will happen. Uh, it seems as if they're going to kind of go a little bit more towards uh, the second tier of free agents to kind of start to run out their roster, maybe find a center fielder, run out their bullpen, and you know, kind of continue to bolster their rotation. We are talking to Mets Mirage writer Matt Musico. Now, Matt, the Mets, you were just talking about Springer, and everybody, a lot of Mets fans want – uh, Springer because Springer is one of the best defensive offensive center fielders in baseball. But I was speaking to a bunch of Met fans and a lot of Met fans think uh, he's not going to get more than $150 million. Now uh, Springer has come out and said with his agent that he wants 175 or more. What do you think he is going to get in the open market? I, I just want to say for the record that I would also like 175 million. So, <laughs> so would I. So uh, would I. You, know, you can just make the checkout to Matt Musico. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, it's the same thing. Like, remember when JD Martinez was in, was a free agent and and Scott Boris was asking for 200 million dollars? It's yep. like, yeah, like you could. Or the same thing with even uh, Real Muto this year. It's like, yeah, like say whatever you want. Like that. This, this is kind of like how this works. Like you say what you really would want, but know that you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the team is going to come in at the other end of the spectrum. He's meet somewhere in the middle. So, I mean, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with probably like 150, just mm-hmm. because he's probably asked for 175 thick and he'll eventually get down to 150. Um, I think the Blue Jays offer them. I think the rumor is like five years for 125 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, like that's probably where the bar is. Cause I don't think anybody else is like seriously pursuing him at this point, at least with his, uh, w- with his current market as, as from what we know. So, I mean, if the Mets end up going after him and like actually signing him, I think probably 150 makes the most sense. Well, but if the Mets aren't going to be in on it, I don't think he's going to get 150. So who are some under-the-radar free agents that you might want to use that remaining $30, $40 million, whatever they want to stay under the uh, the luxury tax? Who are some under-the-radar free agents, whether it's a relief pitcher, like you were saying, a center fielder, maybe even more starting depth that you, that you think they should go after? Well, I mean, thinking about up the middle, because the Mets have actually focused on up the middle defense this year, which has been pretty refreshing with McCann and, and Lindor now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they – they traded away Rosario and Jimenez and Jimenez was one of their better uh, middle infield uh, defenders. Uh, so if they wanted to try and bolster some of that depth, they got guys like Tommy LaSella, Jonathan VR, 
who are interesting. But at the same time, and I think Sandy said it last week when they had announced the trade, they'd still have Luis Guillorme, who uh, can kind of play anywhere within the infield uh, and uh, has a great glove. So I'm not too sure that's going to be too much of a, of a focus for them. But when we're thinking about center field, uh, I think some, some natural ones would be like uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., that would make sense. Um, maybe bringing back Jake Marisnik as like a bench player and actually be on the bench. Um, and maybe like Kevin Pillar, Brian Goodwin, some more like some more like glove first kind of guys, because even I love Brandon Nimmo. I know there's if you go on like the dark places of Mets Twitter, people think Brandon Nimmo is a fourth outfielder, but he's not. Uh, he's just not a center fielder. I think he should be in left field. And hopefully we have the DH so Dom Smith can DH and share it with Polar Bear. Um, but it would be nice to have a an actual natural center fielder. And that's what's most attractive. That was what has been most attractive to me for going after Springer because yes, he's got the, he's got the offense. It's great. Um, but he's also like, like you guys said before, he's got the defense. He's actually a natural center fielder. Like it would be really nice to just have Nimmo and Conforto both in the corners doing and doing things in spots where they're actually supposed to be and having a real center fielder. Um, with regard to uh, the bullpen, I mean, at this point, I think they're probably just going to end up going for a lot of those, you know, real minor signings. Uh, it's just some minor league signings with the spring training invite just to see what sticks. Um, I can't remember. You can, maybe you can help me out with this. Who is the guy that they just picked up? The left-hander from the Yankees that they claimed off waivers? What was Brandon, uh, Br- uh, Brandon Drury. The, uh, no, no. Uh, pitcher. A pitcher from the Yankees? Um, Wasn't it the reliever from the Yankees? I can't remember off the top of my head. Jason Shreve you're talking about? They had Shreve last year. They had Shreve last year. They had Shreve last year. I don't remember who the Mets. Was it like Aaron Rupley? Was that a name? Is that a name? I think think that might be his name, actually. Dellen Patantis, I remember. That was last last year. year. Oh, Stephen Tarpley. Tarpley. Stephen Tarpley. So I was completely wrong. (laughs) uh, He's all right. Tarpley's all right. Yeah, he's got he's got like electric stuff though, yeah. and I think like some people are talking about. So, um, it'll be interesting to see like what they do from here to kind of fill the holes for the bullpen, uh, or just like fill the depth in for the bullpen and fill the depth in for the rotation. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of arms out there, so it'll be interesting to see exactly which way that they go. Uh, and there are a lot of interesting names out there. I would love to see them maybe try and go after like a couple of uh, left-handed starters, just because. It's, there's really no reason why I like this, maybe because I throw left-handed myself, but like I think it's just nice to have a left-handed pitcher mm-hmm. in a rotation just to give teams a, a different look mm-hmm. uh, instead of having a bunch of righties. So like you know, guys like Gio Gonzalez maybe at the very back end or Carlos Rodon just to see like what's going on with him uh, just because he had that pedigree but hasn't really panned out since he's gotten into the majors. So uh, I think things like that, those could, those types of signings could be interesting just to kind of create some competition and see see what can happen. Because even though Steven Matz is better than what he did in 2020, I don't feel really, really super confident about him just being able to magically turn it around. Uh, as you guys know, we are talking to Mets Marais writer Matt Musica. Now, Matt, this is a two-part question. Uh, Noah Syndergaard. Now, uh, there are stories coming out that he'll probably be back in June or July. Uh, what do you expect from him coming back from Tommy John's question one and number two, are you surprised the market is as low as it is right now for professional baseball and, and the contracts? Um, well, what, what, 
what do I expect from no Syndergaard? I expect him to be handsome, <laughs> to have long hair still, uh, and try and do everything possible without a shirt on. Um, I think those three, that's like the first trifecta right there. Um, Four. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he responds from everything. I mean, I've generally thought he's mostly like a freak of nature, it seems like to me. I mean, outside of his lash. His lad is like the only human part of him, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know... I feel like any anything they get from him will be a bonus, uh, and hopefully they're kind of hopefully they're operating in that kind of sense. Uh, it would be nice if he was just coming in and, and kind of like back to his old self, maybe like mid three ERA or something, you know, cause in like 60, 70, 80 innings or something like that. And if they do make the playoffs and be able to be fresh enough to, you know, maybe be a fireman out of the bullpen or. Um, kind of piggyback with somebody else that started a game or something like that. Uh, I think that could be interesting. Um, uh, I'm excited to have him back. I missed him last year just because I thought he would never get Tommy John just because he was not human. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just like, I don't know, that was like the most nonchalant, like Tommy John surgery announcement ever too. It's like, oh, like the season's canceled pretty much, but <laughs> we're also going to get Tommy John surgery. It's like the Mets didn't even play and they still lost. Uh, like such is life under the Wilpons. So hopefully that'll be different this year. The coupons. But, the coupons. Yeah, the coupons, definitely. Um and then so help me out here because I only do one thing at a time. We'll yes. Just have to uh, were you, are you surprised right now with the threshold, the way it is with the contracts? Are you surprised the contracts are being offered so low? I mean, you, you talk about uh, – we talk about what uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be expecting next year for $300 million. We saw last year the, the Yankees gave – um, Garrett Cole, $326 million. We also saw a $400 million player, almost a $500 million player last year. Are you surprised right now that guys like Springer is only going to get between $125, 150000000 million when he's one of the best center fielders in baseball? I think it's disappointing uh, because probably more often than not, most of the teams can swing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um it's a, it's a, it comes down to a supply and demand issue, too. I mean, we think about Garrett Cole. Like, I don't remember what his market was like, but pretty much everyone who had money to spend wanted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about someone like Springer, it's like, okay, like, from what we know of right now, let's say, like, I don't know, three teams would really want him. Mets, Blue Jays, and I guess maybe the Red Sox, too. I mean, I haven't really heard too much else about interested teams in him, and you guys can can add more teams in if, you know, if you've heard more than I have. Um, but I think that that's kind of what it comes down to, uh, which is unfortunate just because I think some of it's, it's like a little bit of a load of baloney with some of these owners crying poor. Um, but, you know, they're trying to kind of, I think, milk the situation as much as they can uh, in this particular respect just because, you know, this past year was weird. Who knows what this upcoming year is going to look like? It seems like it's going to start on time, but they're pushing to not have it start on time. The owners are. Uh, who knows how many fans are going to be in the stands and whatnot. So, I mean, like, I get it. It makes sense. And it's just an unfortunate time for a number of these players to be entering the, the free agent market the way that, the, the, you know, the way that things are. But, you know, if, if George Springer really wasn't happy with what he was getting, I mean, he could make that ballsy type of move and be like, I'm just going to take a one year show me deal and just you know light the world on fire and then go back. Uh, even though he'd be a 32 year old, I think uh, that would make it a little bit more difficult, but 
for a lot of these guys, it's like for someone like him, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy with 150, 125 million. I'd be happy with $1 million. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for someone like him, you know, he's worked his entire career to get to free agency. So a lot of these guys think like this, I may not get this chance again. I got to try and secure the bag as much as I can. So just your perspective now, uh, as a, as a Mets fan growing up, um, your favorite player, your favorite under the radar player, and your favorite game or a notable game that you went to attended live. Um, well, I, I confessed on Twitter the other day that Ray Ardonis was my first favorite Met. Um, I hated watching him hit, but I loved watching him field. <laughs> um, although I did enjoy his like annual home run that he had every year. That was like an event in itself, <clears throat> and it was always a surprise. Um, from that, from that particular era, because that was like the first time I really started to like pay attention because I was how old? I don't know, like 10, 11, 12 years old at that point. So like I was watching and also retaining knowledge <laughs> of the Mets too. <laughs> uh, but love the Garo Alfonso. John Olderud never gets enough love and I've always loved him. Um, I enjoyed watching Joe McEwing rough up Randy Johnson every so often whenever they faced him, which was always hilarious and made no sense, but it was just perfect uh, way to sum up baseball. <laughs> Um, and, uh, once the Mets signed Cliff Floyd, I was like madly in love with him for whatever reason. I don't know why I still am. I just think he's the man. He's hilarious. Um, but I mean, like, uh, I would say probably those, those few and, um, uh, oh, from like the 2000 team, Timo Perez and Jay Payton were mm. really cool. I love those guys too. Um, but Billy, then how about, how about like, Billy Wagner? You don't like Billy Wagner? Billy Wagner's cool. I mean, he's, he's right. You know, like uh, I'm a Yankee I, I, fan, by the way. <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's the first time I've ever actually said that. <laughs> It'll be gone probably like in May when they the Mets are on their first five game losing streak. It'll be gone. So I just I need to like maximize my opportunity here to do this. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, I mean, Matt, I, I, you know what? It, you know what's so funny. I I have a friend named Mark Music. That's his last name, Music. And then when I when I when I pronounced your name Musico, and then he says it's Musico, I was like, why couldn't you sound it out or do something? So it, it, I I you look like my friend Mark too. You you guys are identical. It's it's so well, funny. If I very handsome. So well, that's- <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Matt, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you, uh, find your writing, and and find your stories? Yeah, so uh, all my Mets related stuff is on MetsmerizedOnline.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mmusico8, uh, and also on Instagram at mmusico8. Much more active on Twitter. I think Twitter is much more fun than Instagram, anyways, too. But um, uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, I, I, we definitely want to get you on again. We want you to be a friend of the show. Uh, we want you to download our app. Co- come on, Matt. Well, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna postpone the start of our interview so I could do that. You kind of sold me that. <laughs> but we want you to download our app. We want, we want you to be a friend of the show. We would love to get you on a couple of times this year. Talk a little Mets baseball. Your thoughts of where the team is going, where they're heading, what player sticks out to you, where they at the trade deadline, who who they're going to trade for. So we love. It. By the way, we have a bunch of fans. Bunch of fans that are big fans of your writing. So uh, uh, the one thing Jillian told me that we were going to get you on the show, she says, I love his writing. So, uh, uh, and she's a big fan of yours too, and she's a Met fan. So we'd love to get you on again. Your stories are great, and you're very talented, my friend. 
Well, hey, I appreciate it. And uh, I always joke around with sports writing that you know you're doing a good job when nobody calls you an idiot on Twitter. <laughs> so it's nice, to, it's nice to hear people say nice things. So mm. I, I really appreciate that and appreciate you guys uh, reading. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, enjoy this tonight and uh, hope to come back uh, as much as you want me to. Absolutely. We'd love to get you on and be our Mets guy. By the way, uh, everybody calls me an idiot anyways, even if I don't write anything. So it doesn't even matter. For the three times a year you're on Twitter. <laughs> you know what's funny? Matt, I have like 1,400 people that follow me, and I might post one thing every three months. Exactly well, three times yeah, a year. One thing must be really good. I'm going to have to go look at it. <laughs> you can follow me. I'll follow you. I'll follow you back. I'll, I'll have my producer send it to you through text message. Uh, we really appreciate you, and we're going to be in touch with you uh, very, very soon. All right, great. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. As you guys know, we were just talking to Metzmerize writer Matt Musico. Nice guy. Mm -hmm. Really, really nice guy. Great insight when it comes to baseball and and the Mets. Unbelievable. And uh, he gave you some good insight with Francisco Lindor, Carrasco, uh, his thoughts from the old uh, Mets organization from the 2000s, and some of the players that stood out to him as uh, as a fan. So very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So... Great interview. Are we waiting for somebody? Uh, well, Mark was supposed to come in, but I don't What's know What's going on with Marky Mark, man? Mark, where the hell are you? We were on to talk some national title game. That's right. I, I, I've been waiting for this guy to come on, and all of a sudden, we don't get him. I, I, it's Mark, what the heck are you doing, my friend? Where the hell are you? He's probably doing all the extra research on Alabama's win this season against uh, a low-level SEC team, for all we know. <laughs> well, why don't we get into the national title game? Yeah. Why don't we talk a little national football? What stands out to you in the game? What, is, what does Ohio State have to do tonight to win the game? They have to win the battle with the receivers and the Alabama corners because both of them have been good at times and definitely highly profiled throughout the year. But I think Alabama's secondary in comparison to previous years has been down this year. And Ohio State's receivers, they lost two of them last year uh, to the NFL draft. One of them went to the Giants and Austin Mack. And these receivers have played well, no doubt about that. But again, it's still not the same core it was last year when they lost to Clemson. So that's going to be one of the interesting matchups I look at. And obviously the battle of the offensive lines. These are, two of the, these are two of the best in the entire country. And whichever one, obviously, we, we went to talk about at the time, win in the trenches. That's going to make a big difference, too. Ohio State's got a lot of guys that can go to the NFL. Alabama's got one tackle in Leatherwood that's going to really make a difference, I think, in the NFL, at the NFL level. So I think that's really the two biggest battles to look at because they're both evenly matched on the defensive line, both phenomenal. And offensive lines are two of the best we've seen. It's so interesting because we talk about Justin Fields, and a lot of people, a lot of Jet fans, are going to watch this game very closely because Justin Fields could be the next quarterback for the New York Jets. And and what we've seen, especially in the Sugar Bowl, was a quarterback that wanted to show up and wanted to really prove that he was just as good or even better than a generational type of talent like Trevor Lawrence. But this game, you're, you're not playing a Trevor Lawrence. You're not, you're not playing a highly profile quarterback like yourself. You're playing a defense, a defense that can get at you at the defensive line and an offensive line that dominates the line of scrimmage. So what Ohio State needs to do tonight is trust in your quarterback, trust in the big plays, make sure that you go out there and beat their corners. The weakest part of that defense is their corner play. Alabama's corner play is the weakest part of their defense. Well, you have Aluve and you have Wade. These guys are going to have to go out there and catch the ball and make plays like they did in the Sugar Bowl. If they do that, I absolutely believe, 
absolutely believe Ohio State is the better team on the field. But Alabama, over the years, with the coaching, uh, Saban, who's been there year in and year out, always at the national title game, has won how many national titles? Uh, it's unbelievable. Ain't rolling with LSU, so. <laughs> yes, it's unbelievable what Nick Saban has done. You're going into the game, and you trust that Nick Saban's going to have a defensive plan against Justin Fields. The question is, what Justin Fields is going to show up tonight? Is it going to be the quarterback that's going to make those outlandish, crazy throws that's going to put the Ohio State Buckeyes in trouble uh, like he did against, uh, I'm sorry. uh, Clemson. No, not Clemson. Oh, Oh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Or is it going to be the Justin Fields that shows up that throws six touchdowns, 385 yards, and dominates the game at the line of scrimmage? I don't know which Justin Fields is going to show up, but if it is the good shot Justin Fields, they're going to be national champions. Ah, we got them. We got them. We got them. We finally got them. The one, the only, Marky Mark Kelly. What's going on, Mark? Hey, guys. That was, that was a pretty good interview with the Mets writer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, what's with the other guy not going with briefs is? Wow. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I was a little lost with some of the things that uh, we were arguing yeah. and talking about. But, Sorry, uh, he came up with the best uh, self-nickname, Jesus Jr. <laughs> yeah, that, that, no, that was funny. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen tonight in the national title game? Well, I think that, um, look, Ohio State has obviously got the talent. If you can score with Alabama, you're going to give them a game. And that, that's all it came down to this year with every team they played. Very few teams in the SEC could put up 40 points a game consistently except for Florida. And you saw Florida played with them, and they only lost by six. But uh, Ohio State's got uh, – the you know, fields will give Alabama problems because Alabama always have problems with quarterbacks that can run the option. And also that have a good running back and good wide receivers. They got um, Olave. They got Wilson. Um, you know, both these guys had good games against Clemson, and they just exploded in the first half, what, 35 points against Clemson? But the biggest thing they did against Clemson was they scored when they got into the red zone. Last year, they were 0 for 3 in the red zone in the first half. This this year, they were 4 for 5 in the red zone in the first half, and that's why they wind up getting off to that big lead. Also, when the linebacker hit Fields in the back and, and gave him the rib injury, that took a little momentum out from Clemson because that was kind of a cheap shot. And that inspired Ohio State. It was already pissed off at Dabo for telling them that they were the 11th best team in the nation. <laughs> so w- when you when you look at this game, what player you do, do you believe is going to show up in this game and become the MVP of the national title game? Who do you think? Obviously, I think you have Alabama in this game. You're a big Alabama fan. SEC. Well, yeah, well, who do you I mean, who do you yeah, have? I, I know you like I, Smith. I, I know you like Smith. Right. I, I do like Alabama, but if they, if I didn't think they would win, I, I would tell you. Um, they they they're, they have the best offensive players in college football this year. They had the best three, I thought, Najee and Waddle and, and Smith on the offensive side of the ball that were quarterbacks. Um, and all, all three of them would have been, you know, uh, Waddle would have been up there for the Heisman, too, if he would have stayed healthy. Um, so if he plays tonight, and I don't know, he was a game-time decision, that'll give them another weapon like you and I talked about before. He's a guy that, like Mechie for Alabama, you don't you, you forget that he's around and all of a sudden he'll beat you deep for a, for a 60-yard uh, touchdown. That's the other thing about Alabama is they score quick and they score from anywhere in the field. So they have guys that are impossible matchups uh, for Ohio State to, to handle. When you're dealing with Smith on one end, Waddle on another, uh, then you have Najee coming out of the, backs, of, of the backfield. 
uh, and then you got Mechie lining up in the slot. So there are a lot of weapons for them to use. Um, but Ohio State can defend. They got really good long corners that can that can you know give them more problems than they had in the SEC. The only team that really did well against them as far as the corners was South Carolina because they got a corner by the name of J.C. Horn, who's probably like going to be him. a first-round pick. I like him. Uh, He's the best corner in this that, draft. Yeah, that that yeah. He pretty much when they played him last year, he shut down Judy uh, and Rugs when you know two first-round picks. So uh, they're not used to dealing with big physical corners in the SEC because they're big physical wide receivers. And that's why I like Devontae Smith, because a lot of guys have talent. A lot of guys have speed. He does everything very well. He's a great, great route runner, probably the best route runner, uh, you know, that I've seen since since Jerry Rice. I mean, this guy is so precise and he takes everything so seriously. And that's why he came back for another year. He could have been a first round pick last year. Uh, but he decided to stay, and you saw his last 10 games, he had 91 catches, 1,400 yards, 19 of his 20 touchdowns, th- uh, two 200-yard games, six 150-yard games. Hmm. So he has made plays, but he also is a guy that makes big plays in big games. All right. The Jets, where do uh, they go? Where do they go? Doug Peterson gets fired. Where do you think the Jets go for their new head coach? Yeah, you know um, – Look, the rumors that made me happy early was because I want to see them get a guy that has won and has a history of winning. There's only one guy out there like that now, and that's Cower. Probably too old. Probably the game is passing by. You saw, like, Vermeil and some of these other guys that come back. They don't always have the great success. So maybe it's not the best thing um, that, that he coached. But I, I would like to see him amongst the people talked about. Um, the enemy's probably the guy that is the – at least the the most that fits into today's NFL. I mean, he's a guy that you know works with and people at Kansas City turned around that team, turned around, you know, nobody knew Patrick Mahomes was a couple of years ago, and he made him into a superstar. I mean, Mahomes probably would have put up good numbers anyway, but the enemy, I think, is a really good coach. He's probably the best option for them if to introduce a, a competitive offensive game plan because now, unlike when they hired Rex Ryan about 10 years ago, now everything's offense, and if you don't have a good offense, and if you don't have uh, guys, you know, like Kingsbury and and uh, or or the the Buffalo offensive coordinator that are just so Brian creative. Oh uh, yeah, D- Dable. Dable's another guy. Maybe maybe he gets a look. Um, these guys, these offensive coordinators are very creative, and uh, they give the defense a lot to handle. But you know what? Um, there'll be a time when that when that gets answered too, and then it'll go back to defense. But right now, I think. Depending on what they do, if they stay with Darno, they need to get an offensive mind in there that can give him consistency, something that he's never had. Give him weapons to work around and give him the confidence that, you know what, like Alex Smith did when they brought in Harbaugh, you know, you had a a rough couple years, but we believe in you and we think you can carry this franchise. I have a question. I I just want to ask about the the wild card games. I said earlier that I could see both six seeds, either one. I don't think both of them will do it, but the Rams and the Browns both proved a lot, both mentally and coaching wise, oh, yeah. overcoming all they did to win their games, not only win, but dominate their particular games. And I also think oh, yeah. matchup wise, they could upset their particular one seeds the next week. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, here, look, you got, the thing you got to understand is Cleveland was what? Two and 21 since coming back to the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, NFL at Pittsburgh. Yeah. They had last time they won. It was October 5th of 2003. The year after they should have, they lost in a playoff game that they should have won, and there were a lot of similarities to that playoff game when they were up twenty four seven, with Kelly Holcomb as the starting quarterback. 
uh, to to yesterday where they got up 28 nothing. And there was a point when Pittsburgh scored to make it 42-29 uh, where I was a little bit worried if I'd be a Browns fan. But Pittsburgh just couldn't stop them. And Mayfield, look, you saw that graphic last night with the guys drafted in 2018. Mm-hmm. You had Allen, you had Mayfield, and um, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, okay? And then there's one guy that's just totally doesn't matter anymore. That's Josh Rosen. Then there's another guy kind of sitting there looking really confused, saying, how did I wind up with this team when all these other guys had this great success? So I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, yesterday you saw, we could have saw something that never happened before in the NFL playoffs, all right? If New Orleans would have lost to Chicago or if Buffalo would have lost to Indianapolis for the first time in NFL history, you would have had a wild card team hosting a game in a division round. That's never happened before. It's always been division winners hosting in a division round. That's so interesting. It really is. Are you surprised of the Knicks' success early in the season? You know, I've been watching them. Uh, the last two games, they played like crap. I mean, last night they did. And uh, against Oklahoma, I think they didn't really take them seriously. They played really well against Utah. They played excellent against Atlanta, who could score. Listen, I got a funny story for you guys talking about basketball. But uh, about about two weeks ago, this is around New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, and like I, I, I'm trying like little, little things to see if I can make money off of little things. So. Uh, I went on to one of the betting sites, and I normally never bet. I never bet. I, I, I just I think it's a bad idea. You know, I, I just don't like it. But I said, let me let me try it. You're not the national. You got the, uh, the national semifinals, and then you had the uh, the NBA game. So what I did was I put in like a seven to one thing, okay, where I bet like five NBA games, all the over, and I bet um, two two college football games, okay. So I hit both the college football games. I hit. Four of the five NBA games, I was this close to winning four grand off a $20 bet. And the Lakers came up one point <laughs> high, 229 and a half. They got 228. I, 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 I seriously, I, almost, I, almost, I started to cry. <laughs> That's when better start to get mad. Here in a game that doesn't matter, a game I could care less about the NBA normally, and I'm sitting here screaming at the TV because Montreal Hazel can't make two free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, but but that but that's why like I, I should know. Just don't bet because it never works out. Never comes out good, no matter what. I mean, one of the things I did was that night the Nets and the Hawks played, and uh, what made it harder which is what would reward you more because there's a little chance of it happening was the over under for that game was like 240 because both of those teams can score final score was like 144 to 140 and i took the uh, the hawks plus eight so both those things worked out um and then another one was the blazers i took with a plus four of the clippers but all those things worked out and i didn't think the one thing that couldn't is the you think the Spurs and the Lakers could score over 229 combined points, right? No. It, it, I'm telling you. So not, that was just proof. Never bet again, Mark. I don't care how much you, you know, how little you spend. Did you win any money? No. Did you win anything? No. No, you have to hit it perfect. Oh. See, that, that, that's the thing. Your odds grow up, and, you know, are very hot. You know, it's like what? Like maybe 100,000 to one that you'll hit seven games, okay? Now, they might be... Um, you know, uh, something that you could, you know, well, okay, say Alabama, uh, 
The other thing is, is when you bet a combination of games, either the point spread goes down or the over-under goes down or up, depending on which way you vote it. So if normally the over-under was, say, 220, and you're betting seven games, the over-under would go down, and you're betting the over, the over-under would go down to, like, 215. So that helps you. But still, hitting seven is just it's hard. The odds of that aren't very likely, and I found that out. Um, it happened one other time in my life when I was in Las Vegas for the Players' Choice Awards when I worked for ESPN. The same thing happened there. It was the, That time it was the, the Cavaliers and the Lakers. Lakers, again, they screw me. And that was when the, the Cavaliers just couldn't score. They, they had the worst offense. And I bet the under. And the game had to go into triple overtime to get over. Triple overtime. I'm thinking, ah, I got it in the back. <laughs> we won like three Triple overtime. So... Just things like that. Well, man. you I, should you should listen to our betting show, um, Chaz's show. He's uh, they play the handicap. They yeah, uh, they're always winning, man. They're always yeah, yeah, winning. Yeah. Well, if you hit sixty percent, you do good. But you know what? Like it's just a bad idea for me. Like the, the one problem I have with betting is I look at it as like feeding an addiction. I'm not the uh, you know I'm not giving the drugs, but I'm being the drug you know kind of the drug dealer. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, I, I, I always had a problem with it. That's why I didn't do it. So, but you know, I don't have a problem with other people doing it. Other people want to do it. God bless them. I, I don't look down, judge anybody. It's all up to them. You know, whatever they want to do. There are people that are very good at it. They make a lot of money doing it. I, I never, yeah, my friend called me too. And he said, you should do that. You should handicap. There's no way I would feel right about that. Anyway, before we let you go, who do you got in the national title game? Who's the MVP? Well, I said on the uh, the show I did last week down here that Alabama will win 42-36. Um, now I'm kind of rethinking it. First team to 45 is going to win. The MVP, I think, is uh, if, if Ohio State wins, it'll be uh, it'll be the running back. And I can't, I can't remember Trey his Sermon. name. Um, I think Fields will play well, uh, but I think that – you need, along with a quarterback with the option, you need a running back that can really run, as you saw when Auburn beat them and when Clemson beat them with uh, Etienne and Lawrence. If you have a, a good running quarterback and a good running back, it makes it that much more effective to, to give Alabama problems. So I'd like him to have a big game. Um, what was the other question? Who's uh, the MVP? Who's the MVP? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would say if Ohio State wins, you'd be the MVP. If Alabama wins, I think it's going – It's I think if Alabama wins, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be Najee. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Mark. I, I think that Smith will get his, you know, eight, nine catches for 100 yards. And if Waddle plays, he's going to make a big play in this game, whether it be on special teams or or from scrimmage. That's what I think so, too. I think he's going to play surprisingly well because he's not going to get the attention of Sean Wade on the other side for Ohio State. Right. No, sure. Now, Speedy, uh, like you've, you've seen Smith play, right? You see, you, oh, I you, love you, Smith. You, I loved him two years ago. Everyone thought I was crazy that I said he would be better than Ruggs and Waddle. <laughs> yeah. So would you take him if you were the Jets? Was he good enough to take at that spot? No. Uh, at number two, I don't know if I would take him at number two just because I think Sewell is that good. If you're not going to go a quarterback, I would definitely go Fields or Lawrence, whoever's there. <laughs> Do you think there's a difference between him and like Demar Chase and and Waddle and some of the other guys? Um, I'm not as high on Waddle for the NFL as I am at, yeah, in college. True. I love Jamar Chase. I think yeah, I like him and him and Smith are very close to me. They're just two different types of receivers. Chase is a little more physical, not as fast yeah. as Smith, and like you were saying, Smith's a better route runner. So it just depends on what you prefer. I love both of them. Yeah, Even more than the receivers last good. year too. Very good. You sat out this year, but uh, man, he, he was very good too. Look, 
before you go, Errol, there's that outside linebacker from Miami that didn't play this year. That would be a good pickup late in the first round if he's still available. He had like 19 and a half sacks last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what they do. But look, I'm just sick of them losing. And it'd be nice. You know, what if what if everything that, that we look at, like politics, was like sports? So if we judge people as harshly on, on sports like we do on politics, we'd have a whole different world. I'm Come so on, glad Mark. In Douglas, we trust. Okay. I'm so glad they don't do that. <laughs> Mark, thank you for calling. We're going to get you on next week. I love you, man. Love you too, guys. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the game. Absolutely. I'll be in touch with you. Okay. Mark Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, great show. Really, really great show we had uh, today. I'd like to thank uh, Wyoming defensive line recruit J.J. Uphold and uh, Mets Marais writer Matt Musico for joining us and Mark Kelly. Great show. Um, We will be back on Wednesday below the mic. Remember, you can reach us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. We'll go to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That's it, and we will be back on Wednesday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and the great Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey, saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.